0: Visit Arcade Club in Bury, Greater Manchester, the largest gaming venue in Europe, set on two floors featuring over 250 original arcade machines, from Space Invaders right up to the latest Japanese rhythm games. There's also pinball machines, retro modern consoles, top-end PCs and VR stations. For just £10 entry, or £15 for both floors, you can stay as long as you like and everything is set to free play. It's open Thursdays to Sundays with free parking, two licensed bars, two kitchens and fair price and there's no need to book. Just turn up for an awesome day out.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Tempence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland, aka Vertvic.
0: And I am Shane Hollister, aka Sean Holly.
1: And this is a podcast, if you've not heard it before. About arcade things, especially the old arcade things—collecting, playing, cabinets, meetups, everything arcade-related. That's awesome. Well, I should hope so. We've been doing it for nearly four years now. Oh yeah. Tell yes. me, Sean, how have you been violating the law lately?
0: Well, I've been very good at violating. I have been attend. I've broken the speed limit, Vic. You know what I have to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got caught speeding. Uh-oh. And I had I had to attend a speed awareness course. But Are you I, aware of I, I speed now? I, yeah, I tried to say I don't. I don't need to do it because I was very aware. I was doing thirty-eight in the thirty limit. Ooh. It was. It was very. It was like midnight though. But I was coming back from arcade club through haslington and I got caught, mate. So I've done. I've done. Me paid my penance.
1: Got caught by the police.
0: Yeah, I've been on the course, which is that's quite informative. Really, do you know them? Them. Two lines on yellow lines on the side of the road, yeah. You're not allowed to park on them. Oh, that's amazing stuff like that. You find out,
1: especially parking at 38 miles an hour in a 30 zone,
0: yeah. You can't do handbrake turns as well in, in my new car because there's no handbrake. So, that's another thing I learned.
1: Mine, neither, it's just got a silly button. It's almost the same car as yours, isn't it?
0: Stupid. Was you button.
1: pretending to be that outrun geezer in the red car?
0: Yeah. De, 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 de. I finished Out Run 2 last night, first time in ages.
1: Oh, well well done. Do you know, yeah. what, I've been, do you know what I've finished since we last talked? I finished that game on the Switch I was playing, Yono and the Celestial Elephants.
0: That's mental. Oh,
1: it's such a good game. It looks really, really childish. Cause you, you're, you play this little sort of cute blue elephant, and you go around just being nice to people and doing stuff. But it's really deep. It's philosophical. Mm. It's political. It's a really, really good game, and I completed it on the plane uh, over to New York. It's such a brilliant game, and it left me wanting a sequel. I need to play Yono too. I need some more elephants in my life, or elephants yeah. as I like to call them. <laughs> and also, on the way, yeah, on the way there, after doing uh, Yono, I played an old game on my Switch. I haven't played for ages. Remember that one I got called Kamiko? I got it when I first got the Switch. It's a little bit no. like an old school NES style Zelda game. A right. like top-down thing. And I did it in 10 minutes because I only had a little bit left to do and I didn't realise. I was like, oh, wow, I completed two games on the way here. Really? So I'm after a new a new big game for the Switch to play. I'm still playing Mario. and I'm st- I haven't got back to Zelda for a while, but I will get back to it. Mario's good to get back to. I'm about halfway through the whole of that because it's a massive game. Uh, and I did download a few other games I'll tell you about later on on the Switch. Me yeah, up into New York, as you know. That's why we're a week late recording and and putting lovely, it out. Lovely, lovely. So, what did you do there? Well, I stayed with friends on Long Island, which is part of New York. It's not quite in the centre, and we went to the Museum of Moving Images in, I think it was in Queens, actually. They had a really yeah. cool Jim Henson exhibit on. You know, he did the Muppets and Sesame Street and stuff. Yeah. So you could see all the original, some of the original puppets and how he used to work. It's amazing how they used to work because you think that they'd be sort of you know cooping down behind scenery and stuff. But they're actually standing up doing it. They had really, really tall cameras. Right. So it's really bizarre how they did it. It was really informative. It was interesting. And um I saw the original Cookie Monster. Really? Yeah, and Jimmy G. Oh sorry, Kermit, Kermit the Frog.
0: Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Oh yeah, you think he sounds like Kermit, don't you? He does a bit, yeah.
1: They had a <laughs> load they also had a load of old filmmaking and audio equipment, there, which was quite interesting to look at. They even had a few arcade cabinets,
2: because it's right. moving
1: images, so I presume that's the place to put them, I suppose. They had a Pong, they had a computer space, um, a Zaxxon, I hate that cabinet, it looks like an old crate. Uh, a Taito 10-yard fight, you know that sort of American football game?
0: Yes, I do, yeah. you
1: never seen it before, but you had that in there as well, which was quite nice to see. All of them were working and playable, you had to sort of put your money into a, a change machine and get some tokens for it, because I think they do a lot of tokens in America, but it's only like 25 cents to play, same as it was back in the day. They even had a Ralph Bayer a brown box. You know, one of the first console games? Well, the very first console game. Yeah, oh, or did you go on that? No, it wasn't working. It's behind the glass, actually. But I think they were working on getting it going. I think It might have been a reproduction as well. It looks really primitive. And they also had a PDP-1, a deck PDP-1, uh, with Tennis for Two on it. But they didn't have it going. A, a little thing on there saying they were getting it working. It wasn't quite working at the moment. You know, one of the, the really huge screen... The sort of an angled screen, Then you have got these weird yeah. knobs to play it with. Wow, yeah, good though. And one of the more novel things out there was something running on a forty-foot projection screen. So it's like a cinema projection screen. It was a thing called Multi Bowl. Have you ever heard of this before? I'm sure I told you about it before.
0: I haven't. You may have done. I'm not sure. Well, when but... I
1: went to when I went to Portland, Oregon uh, last year, and I was we was hanging out with Kevin Savitz and his wife Peace. Uh, Kevin's from the Antic Podcast, the Atari Eight Bit Podcast. Uh, he told me about it when we were having breakfast one morning. I said, I've never heard of it. He said, it's MAME Multibowl. Have you not heard of it? I said, no. And what it is, it, it works through MAME. And you remember that MAME runs console games as well as computers and arcade games nowadays. And what it is, yeah. is it's a program that's been altered using MAME. And it, it's for two players against each other. It's always two players. It's not a one-player game. It's always two players. So there's two sets of mm. controllers on this thing ready for you. And what it does is it plays a Very small excerpt from select games. There's about 150 games or something. They're old games up to quite newer games, and it's just a very, very quick against each other game. So, for instance, you might be playing a ball game and you've got to get like as more goals than the other player in 10 seconds or something like that. So, here's the blurb from the bit about on, on their website Multiball is a collection of fast paced minigames sourced and sampled from one 300 video games that were published between 1976 and 2000. Two competing players are dropped in the middle of these games and given very little time, usually 30 seconds or less, to accomplish a goal before progressing to the next mini-game. Often these goals align with the source's original play, e.g. knock out your opponent or beat them to the finish line, but frequently they depend towards the counterintuitive and even subversive. It doesn't tell you how to play the game, it just tells you what to do, it's like you know, score three goals, shoot ten aliens, and it's really fun. A bit like WarioWare, kind of thing. Very similar, but using old games. There could be NES games, mm. PC Engine games, Commodore 64, arcade, whatever. And it's mm. just some of the games I've never even seen before, so I didn't know what to do. So, players who are good at arcade or console and players who've not really played before are equal abilities because it's just you're just thrown into it. I really wish it was available to download, but apparently it's not. I'm not sure right. why. Maybe to do with copyright? I don't know. But think how much fun we'd have at Arcade Club or the Bat Cave, Revival or Nerg. Having it on a big screen, you just have two players knocking each other out. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. I'd love that. We visited two barcades there as well. Uh, both in the same day, actually, when, um, when they were pretty much less, a lot less busy than normal. Uh, one in St. Mark's, which is I've got the T-shirt on right now. Barcade. Barcade. They had a gorgeous Ms. Pac-Man cabaret there, which I really like playing on. It's a slightly different shape from the Pac-Man cabaret. And a dedicated Rygar. I took a picture and sent it to you, Mr. Holly.
0: Yeah, I like. I like oh, Lisa like I
1: Really like playing that Ms. Ms. Pacman Cabaret. Love that. I had to go on a dynamo that's converted to a Dio. Remember that game Dio? I think that's a cave game, isn't it?
0: No, it's. Oh, you does it it's not? Not Warashi. It's someone who's. Span off from Warashi, is it something like that? It's a follow. Is it a follow-up or a prequel to Shien Ryu something like that?
1: Oh right, it's a bullet hell. One of your kind of games. I thought, mm. I'll have a go. That's yeah. just for Mr. Holly. I was playing on it, and the joystick going left was intermittently not working. So I told the bar lady. by well, the time I had another go on the machine, went back to it and had a quick drink. There was a guy fixing it. He had the control panel up, sorting it out. I think it's just a micro switch gone funny, but they fixed it straight away. Awesome. Top service. Uh, we had a quick drink and a couple of plays in there. I had a good chat to the girl working there. Uh, she grew up in Hong Kong and was properly educated on British TV programs, apparently. Right. So obviously clocked our uh, accent straight away. Uh, I bought a cool black and white Barcade T-shirt, which I am wearing as we speak.
0: So that's the brand, isn't it? Barcade the brand, is it?
1: Yes, they've got five, I think, in, in, in and around the New York boroughs. Because the right. other one that I went to, handily getting onto that, was a Williamsburg one. The one I went to... Nearly five years ago, when I was 40, when I was over there, the last time I was over there. Mm. Uh, This is the one I had my 40th birthday at. They obviously had a bit more of a move around when I was there last. It's been five years. And a few machine changes to my memory. Uh, A lot of the tables have been cleared away. It allowed more machines in there. There's some really nice games in there as well. Dig Dug was still in the same corner as I last played. I remember it being there. The oddest game I played was the sit-down Namco Golly
0: Ghost. You ever played that? I have seen it. I I've not played it. Have you I've seen, seen one? Blackpool.
1: Yeah, a long time ago. Because yeah. that's unusual, because it's quite a rare game. I know all this has got one. a 3D
0: kind of hologram kind of effect, yeah?
1: This one, it seemed to be just a mirrored effect gun game. And little ghosts pop out. It, it sort of reminds me of a gun game, kind of like yeah. cutesy ghosts, like in Luigi's Mansion, that kind of thing. It was just a no, gun I've game. It's it was okay. I had a quick go of it. I thought I'd have a go, just because, you know, it was there. Yeah, daft pop-up ghosty gun game. Uh, I played a bit of Cuba. Obviously, I always play Cuba when I see it. Uh, Donkey Kong, obviously. Ghosts and Goblins, Smash TV. They had an amazing Satan's Hollow cabaret, which is exactly the same shape as a Ms. Pac-Man. I think that's going to be a future right. project, one of those kind of shaped cabs for me, because it's really nice. Mm. I nearly stole it. In your back pocket. In your back pocket. It would have fitted. I also played an ancient rifle game, Cheyenne. Have you ever played that one?
0: Is it a bit like that crossbow thing? Yeah, same really people, Exidy. Slow and clunky. Yeah.
1: Really slow and clunky. You had no crosshair. So when you shot, you had to use the the, Im- the aim on the actual rifle and it wasn't quite there. It was a really weird little game. Just clunky, old, rubbish. Didn't like it. A very mm. rare cab. You don't see many of those. Garbage. Whereas the Americans gar- say garbage. Do they? No. No. That's just me. Oh. So well. What, what else have you been up to? I've been to America and stuff.
0: <laughs> I've been off for a week. I've worked for a week, and I think I would have been off work for a week anyway because I've had like arcade flu.
1: Arcade flu.
0: Yeah, it's like normal. even swallowing
1: so buttons or something.
0: So you can't play games very well. That's Eek. what I'm seeing. Oh,
1: yeah, oh whoa, 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 whoa! Are you going to had... you? Are you just pre pre attaching an excuse for your score for our type this week? Yeah, is you see, that why?
0: Slower, didn't you? see, see
1: that? Yeah, too. I saw you. I saw you early, son. I saw you early.
0: I had yeah, I've had a cold, a cough, I had no taste buds, I've had a mega sore throat. The only upside is I I've not been eating because I've said had no appetite. I've lost six pounds in a week.
1: Really? Do you know yeah. what? Since we come back from America on the plane, it just she got off the plane. Wife mm. has had flu as well. She's been as weak as a kitten. She can hardly move. Mm. She's a, yep. a little not really a cold, but she's just been feeling weak and tired, can hardly move. she been off she's been off since we were, were away. Which is, we only got we up got last Tuesday. She's been off since then. I don't, I'm not sure if she can go work t- tomorrow.
0: Wow. Not
1: good. I've been a bit yeah. weak and tired. And w- when I was in New York, I've been having a terrible jaw pain. I think my silly wisdom teeth are coming through. I need to go to mm. the dentist. I want the things out. Because I think they're causing a lot of my problems. My neck and head and all that sort of stuff. Apparently, they can cause mm. loads of problems without even sort of knowing about it. Do you
0: want me to come down with some heavy-duty pliers?
1: No, no. What I'm going to do is use the Acme method. I just tie one of my teeth with a bit of string to a door and just close the door really quickly. That'll do it.
0: Oh, I might pull your whole jaw out. Might do. Oh, I've got no jaw. <laughs> anyway, I went to play Blackpool. I missed the first day, but I went to play Blackpool yeah. and managed to get there. I was, I was... Oh, I had all sorts of tablets and lozenges and cough syrup. I was Did trying. you suck a fisherman's friend? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is I a didn't a cough actually. lozenge, uh, foreign listeners. Oh. Oh, no, 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 I didn't do that either. But... I managed to get through the Sunday and, and help Retro Games party James with all the teardown. And the first truck came on Monday and we loaded it. And it got to about 1pm and I was exhausted. And I got some of these blankets that James uses to wrap the more expensive cabs. Yeah. I put them on the floor yeah. and just went to sleep on them on the cold <laughs> floor of the like exhibition venue. I was just out like that for 20 minutes. Wow. But it was, it was a really good event, sort of a, a nice sort of atmosphere, because it's always darker in, in the north Olympia suite, as they call it. It's got a bit more of an arcade vibe. Yeah. So I was, I was oh, Tuesday, I just slept the whole day. Yeah. Anyway, Thursday Friday, went to Durham, Whitworth. To D- Durham? To Gownsit Durham. What'd you go to Durham for? Don't know, haven't been before.
1: It's nice, though. When I did my tour of the North a few years ago, we went to Durham. Lovely, really nice village. Town, mm. city, where we've got—it's it. got cathedrals. It's, so it's a city, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I went to the cathedral. Apparently, and the got a very,
1: very good university
0: there. Yeah, it was a bit studenty. Yeah, mm. loads of them, millions. Cool. Prince Charles was there apparently opening something e- or other. E- 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 e. Yeah, that yeah. but it, he, what he was doing—it was nothing to do with arcade games. So rubbish. Sh- shame on you, Charles. Yeah, Charles. Shame on you. <laughs> I'd also been back cave in arcade clubbing. Oh, yeah, what was the theme on Batcave this time? Forgot. Oh It was something to do with something about something.
1: Oh, I know, there's some things, yeah?
0: Do you know, I have forgotten. My memory is so bad. You are an idiot. It was. Uh, I'll, I'll forget. We'll edit this back in later on. No, we won't. Okay, I'll ring Lewis and let you know in ten minutes. Okay. Okay, apart from that... Did you say arcade clubbing as well? Clubbing, yeah. So you
1: clubbed an arcade machine, you brute... Oof, guess what I, I have been getting into, which is weird. Not not clubbing things, surely. No.
0: Oh, <laughs> clubbing. Too old for that now. <laughs> oh, carry on. Uh, yeah, I can I've see been, you enjoying that. I've been playing Super Cobra. Believe it or not. Do you
1: know what? Mm? Funny you should say that. I put my Super Cobra board in a cabinet yesterday. I like it. It's because I'm getting the the scramble hardware very soon phil kept it back a little bit they found a bug in it in the software and he's going to sort right. it out and i'm really looking forward to getting that because he's got four games on at the moment remember turtles mm-hmm. scramble super cobra and amidar and i put it on i had a quick go it. it's rock hard isn't it
0: yeah it's like scramble's evil nasty brother
1: it's like it's, it's like unfair. the stern version of scramble dialed up to
0: seven but because it's got the same game mechanics as Scramble, I kind of like it. I, I like
1: do. it. I really like it, but it's just really difficult. I want to try and do it. I know Pete Hahn did it, but he's a, a mm. robot.
0: <laughs> I can, so far, I can get it to 6,000 miles on one credit, but I think I maybe had a couple of minutes. level six, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Oh, well done. I can get to about four. Because it's yeah, only 1,000 miles, isn't it? Because the, yeah. the enemies get rock hard on it. They shoot at you and fling themselves at you all over the place.
0: They're in on you and all sorts. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's difficult. It, it's like they realised that scramble was a bit easy, and then they said, "Right, we're going to make it so hard." Well, stern games are usually difficult anyway. Every stern mm. game is difficult. There's lots of cheap deaths waiting for you, but I just can't stop playing it.
1: Mm, it's good. Well, that's why I put it in a cab actually, because it's kind of that multi-game on it. So I have to sort of test it again because I found it in storage. Yeah, just I put it, left it in there. Oh, another thing I've been doing, I I've been putting together. You know, I said a little while ago I was going to put together one of my ISIS little ISIS cabaret cabs as a, a Nintendo machine I've been putting yes. together that so when I come back from America I'll talk about it in the, in the pickups i brought back some hardware and I've been able to put my, my Donkey Kong Jr. board in there so far and what I want to do is put Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. and Space Fever in the same in the same cabinet, you just swap over the the uh, the adapter and it'll work in the same cabinet and it's working Donkey Kong Jr. in there at the moment because I've sold my Donkey Kong Jr. cabinet a little while ago but I've still got boards yeah. left So that's working quite nicely. They've got it all tuned up, got the control panel made. It's it's very similar button layout to a Donkey Kong cabaret machine. So it's only small. Uh, It's working really nice. And I've actually got a Vert stick in there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't often use my own joysticks because I just haven't got a place for them. I'm going to leave this one in there because I haven't got a proper Nintendo joystick, but i hopefully get one for it, I think. But a Vert stick will do for now. But that's working quite nice. I've got got to work out some artwork, which you might be able to help me on. Moving the layouts yeah. because I cannot do Photoshop. Like I do PaintShop Pro from about twenty years ago, mm. which is really easy. But Photoshop's just a nightmare; it's just too complicated for me.
0: It's a bit of a yeah. Them get, them programs are a bit of a learning curve, but yeah, I've, I've over the years I've sort of got into. I use GIMP because the name's so good, yes, and also it's it's freeware, so
1: yeah. Because that Inkscape's quite good as well, isn't it? I started using that yeah. a while ago. That seems quite smart.
0: That's for vector graphics, which I haven't done for quite a while, but I do still use it on the odd occasion.
1: Yeah, which is good for the arcade stuff, because that's usually how they do them, isn't it?
0: Mm, Yeah, Mm. very clever. Very clever it is. Arcade news.
1: In the news lately, quite a bit going on, actually. Now, the first one, Sean, is...
0: Total Drag. Twin Galaxies bans legendary gamer Todd Rogers for cheating. Todd, man.
1: Todd, man. This is just console games, is it, or is it arcades as well? I know it's specifically for the drag racing game,
0: Dragster. Yeah, he's got loads of records, and I think there is quite a few, of our, a few arcade records as well. Oh, mm, okay.
1: Because he's in King of Kong as well, isn't he? He's the long-haired guy with the
0: moustache. I don't know. It's been that long since I've seen that.
1: Yeah, he is, because a little while ago on the Ben Heck Show which is the the hacker guy who who creates things with electronics and and hardware and 3D printers and laser machines, all that sort of stuff. He actually got an Atari 2600, the hardware game machine, and he programmed another computer to play Dragster. It's absolute optimal, you know, with taking all the the human effects out of it. And they could not make it run as quickly as Todd Rogers claimed he did back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's almost conclusive proof that he never did it because he never had any pictures of it. He never had any video of it. He just sent off to uh, Activision, who made the game, and said, look, I did this. And he got a patch for it and he got the world record. But And he did claim he did it at live at an event, but nobody knows about it. So it's a bit odd going on there.
0: There's a, there's a lot of other records now that are called into question. Like, yes, and the biggest fish- one... Is 15 oh, million, look. is
1: it? What is that massive elephant over there? It's Billy Mitchell. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. Moving on to Billy. yeah. Now, we have no claims to argue with anything that man says, but a lot of things have been going on. This is specifically for his Donkey Kong record. His one point, I think he's done a th- three lots of one million points. And yeah. basically, since Twin Galaxies opened up uh, a page on there where you can you can contest a score, people have been doing it. And specifically, um, one of the, the, the admins from Donkey Kong Forum. Now, there is 13 pages of thread the last time I checked on Donkey Kong Forum. I haven't read through all of it, but I've been following a little bit on Twitter. Because yeah. Patrick Scott Patterson, who is also a an ex-Twin Galaxies referee, uh, he's been going on about it as well. He's been really gunning for it. And from the Donkey Kong Forum... Um, their, their thing is, looks like emulation, plus ridiculous random number generation, plus no reliable witnesses, equals cheating. Mm. So, the videos using King of Kong have been proven now to be mame recordings, not specifically from the the Donkey Kong machine. Because I think Billy was saying, if, if I'm right, he was saying it was direct feed from the machine. It was something attached to the machine, which does a direct feed of the video. But they slow down the images really, really slowly, do it frame by frame. And the way that the screen is drawn is not consistent with how an arcade cabinet does it. It's the way MAME does it, because MAME does it slightly differently. But the human eye can't see it so quickly, you'd never know. But that Mm. is what the difference between arcade hardware and emulation is, obviously. There's going to be differences, even though you don't see them. So that is one of the things. And I think Billy Mitchell's been saying, no, no, that's not the video. You haven't got the right video but this is the one directly from King of Kong, so it must be the one. And also, the, the random generation, the random number generation business, it is to do with the number of blue barrels. You know when the blue barrels come down, you get more points, and you get 300, 500, 800, rather than 100. They've, yeah. they've, they've looked at all the statistics from all the top players, like the million-point players, and Billy Mitchell's high scores are way higher of having the blue barrels. So he's had more blue barrels than anyone else by a considerable amount. Mm. so what they're trying to say is he was using main with save states getting a really, really good level saving that save state and then to make up a whole game which obviously leads to more than a million points but I'm not sure because also in King of Kong if you remember when, when they show the video and it rolls over to a million there's a massive glitch down one side and I reckon it's to do with the recording but that, mm. is, that is a sore point it always has been since that film came out so there's some right. jiggery-pokery going on, possibly. We don't know. But Billy Mitchell has said a few things about it, and there's a lot of mudslinging going on. A lot of mudslinging, which we are not going to get into. Mm. But the, the only thing is, whatever happens, whether it is true or not, Billy Mitchell has been a, a huge advocate of arcade, an arcade community and arcade gameplay and high scoring, and he's done a lot of good things for the community. But it's going to muddy his name, whatever happens.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah,
1: so it's a sad thing that people have to lie about or possibly lie about scores. I mean, it's only an arcade game, but the thing is he's he's achieved quite a lot of substan- a substantial amount of financial gain from this. So, yeah, we'll have to see what goes on with this. But if yes. you go onto the uh, Donkey Kong forum, have a look on there, there's a huge thing about it. Lots of people who know a lot about the game and the internal workings of the game have said about it and they are all in conclusion that he's been cheating. Uh-oh.
0: There's no doubt in my mind that he is a good player, maybe a world class player. Absolutely. But beyond that, at the minute, we don't know, do we? Don't well know what they've done
1: happen. is they've taken away the three over one million scores, but they left a nine hundred and thirty-three thousand score. And that to mm. my mind is an expert player anyway. Because you've got to remember he's he's good at he's the perfect Pac-Man player. And I was watching yeah. something the other day, I think it's called the King of Con. It's another documentary, but it's not, <laughs> sort of it's a cheaper version. And they they got they were trying to say on there that he wasn't the first to do a, a perfect Pac-Man either, right? And also other people who did it very close to when he did. He never mentioned it when he went to Japan to see Namco. First class to Japan, by the way, and inexpensive hotels and all that sort of stuff. So, ooh, yeah, what to see about that? Ooh. But still, world class player. But maybe just I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on there.
0: Mm. We have some more sad news in the arcade world here. This is from Atari Businesses Fund Facebook page. Atari co-founder Ted Dabney has been diagnosed with esophageal cancer several weeks back. We have been asked not to post about it back then, but when we were first told about it. But the situation is apparently worse than before. Ted has decided not to seek treatment and has been given about eight months to live. Mm. I'm very, very sad right now. Ted's a friend of mine and Kurtz, a co-founder of our new Ziggy company. And I will always treasure the time we spent hanging out and hitting all the old Atari locations with him back in 2012. So.
1: Yeah, sad news, isn't it?
0: Yeah, thoughts out to Ted and his family. Mm-hmm.
1: And on to some better news now. Mm. Uh, get all that sad and, and, and miserable stuff out of the way. Uh, Robbie Lakeman has broken his own Donkey Kong world record again with 1.2477 million points.
0: Do you know who's coming after him? What's that? Who? Do you know who's coming after him? Sounds like Harley Ha. Yes. Charlie Far. He's just got, within the last hour on Twitter, he's posted up off his own little cab, 811,000, level 20, only eight screens from a kill screen, he's put. Just a small push needed now.
1: I need to watch uh, our David play Donkey Kong. I've never seen him play, but, yeah, he's getting really good at it, isn't he? Has he yeah. played Donkey Kong Jr.? I mean seriously I don't think so I don't think so because Donkey Kong Jr. is quite a similar game and I Mm. think he'd be good at that as well I've been playing it a little bit lately and I'm really rusty I couldn't even get 100,000 points of the day I got 90,000 and my Donkey Kong Jr. PCB it's got a high score kit on it it's got Alex's high score on there 155,000 and I'm sure he can get loads more than that but it really bugs me it's been on there for years and I haven't been able to remove it and I really want to get it off there yeah, I could, I could just erase it but I want to beat it it's really bothering me I need to get back into it so I'm sort of playing Donkey Kong Jr. a little bit more now I'm really you know what, rusty at it really rusty
0: do you know what he would be good at Charlie Farr what's that Robert Smith and the deadly chicken dinner
1: I suspect he would he'd, get he'd be those good at that. deadly chicken dinner bonuses oh 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 guess what what guess what I, I can. I don't have to guess. I can see it in front of me. Just tell everyone, man.
0: I've got to stop saying guess what. Haven't I yeah. Here's a twin stick Spanish game made before Robotron that looks a lot like Robotron. It's called Draco. It's hidden away in Mame. You can find it in Mame, and some guy on UK VAT called do 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 do, do Bicton B I C T O N found it. Oh, he's from Spain. Yeah,
1: he is a he's a Spanish ra- uh, collector. Yeah, he's got a really nice collection as well.
0: And he's, he's put it on UK vac. He's put the PCB and everything. And if you play it in Maine, yeah, there are, there are a lot of similarities to Robotron, and it's it's out a year before Robotron. So that's another another thing to think about. It sort of it reminds me of Robotron, but it also reminds me of
1: um, Berserk. It's sort of like a cross between the two, which is a good mm. good one. But it's really primitive though. It's not as, as nice looking or sounding as uh, Robotron. No, it's certainly it's a forgotten game, is it? Nice looking cab as well. If you go mm. on the UK VAC uh, thread about this, it's a really nice looking cow. I like it.
0: Yeah, it's probably. You never know what happened, but maybe Eugene Jarvis saw it and he thought he could incorporate it into Robotron, which is like a far I, and away much
1: I would really doubt that unless he went to yeah. Spain in the early yeah. 80s, where he wouldn't see it because that game was really short lived and, and it, mm. I never saw it in the UK. No one else has seen it before this. It's only only Spain, only, it's a Spanish company. Mm. So I expect that a really, really small distribution. I, I I really doubt it. I really doubt it. But you never know. Who cares? They make yeah. good games.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I was speaking to James RGP last night about his new business, which is selling scratch build cabs. Now I've done a little interview with him. Uh huh. If if we put it in here sure. uh, which like here, which will explain everything that's going on. Okay. Hi kids, I'm here with James, we're just driving home from Arcade Club after an awesome night out and when I was at Blackpool helping you out last week, James, there was
2: a little booth thing with a cabinet. what the hell, what the flipping hell is going on there, young man? So what we're doing is a whole bunch of authentic replica arcade machines Built from the ground up to be the exact dimensions, not some you know badly downloaded, inaccurate plans off the internet versions of them, which keep seem to keep floating around or the sort that you find on uh, uh, various uh, sites, shall we say, yes. where you can buy them as a kit for them But you can have them configured um, however you want. So you can have it as a specific shape. You know, for example, it could look like uh, one of the uh, like uh, like Pac Man that kind of thing or like Donkey Kong I mean those two classic ones but we're also doing uh, the Williams shape Type machines as well as uh, some of the Atari ones and you know authentic shapes basically. Yeah. Um, they've been slightly modified inside to make the build quality a little bit you know less production liney and more kind of well built to to stand up to to things. And then you can have it configured uh, either you know authentically. So what we're not doing is building um, like you know eight million button control panels or anything. Yeah. Like shame, shame caps. Yeah. Yeah. Franken panel kind of thing, you know, hanging off your know, 40, forty-seven flight sticks, sixty thousand, thousand buttons, and and three flight yokes from a Star Wars machine. We're not doing any of, the, of, of that. So if you want to, if you want a machine that will play say, you know, your classic single-player vertical games, yeah, we'll do. We can do you a, a standard centralized ambidextrous joystick control, a bit like say off um, off an Atari TIE pilot or uh, yeah. or off an Electronic Goliath um, or something like that. Uh, if you want uh, a two-button six-player, say for Doing uh fighting games, yeah we can do that. Swappable control panels. So we're having uh, metalwork made, we're having um printing done, we're having uh, bezel mounts and everything for monitors made, and you know, you, you can have it literally from we can it your cab your way, and you can have anything from you know literally just a shell in a replica that's got the mounting point for you to drop your old gear into. Yeah, um, or we can we can custom fit for you. So if you're not quite sure how to get the monitors to drop in exactly the right place, and you want, you know, uh, if you if anybody was at Blackpack uh, at Blackpool last weekend and they saw our Rally X cab that uh, that we'd uh, we had out there, which was on the end of the thing next to the staff area, that was uh, that was a complete brand new build. Um, we've modified it slightly inside for how the monitors hung. Uh, but everything else was, you know, as, as authentic as we could possibly get it. Played, played brilliantly over the weekend. Indeed, um, yeah. And we can do, we can do, you know, horizontals. We can do verticals. We can do uh, rotatable monitors. You can have an LCD panel if you want. You can put a CRT in, uh, but we can't supply that for you because of the mass shortage of the things. Um, but we can wire it up to however you need it to be wired up. We can fit it for a jammer or for original game board. You name it. Pretty much we can do it it will have a standardized wiring plan for the control panels as well inside yeah. it no matter which version of the machine you get whether it's you know in which shape um, there'll be a standardized plan which will take up to two place six buttons two start buttons and even a 5 volt and 12 volt feed as well in case you want illuminated buttons for those people who seem to like that kind of thing. or you might have got some translucent leaf buttons similar to the old Williams ones like off Robotron. But the other, the other, anyway. So we we can do that. And if you want to, you know, if you're interested in in having a shell built that's authentic, can't find one that you particularly want from various places nobody wants to sell one can't find one over in the us etc you know we can do a build from the ground up for you,
0: you know? and you've also saw some good lc some proper good We've, lcd yeah
2: we're trialing a, a i won't say too much just a second but we're trialing a number of different manufacturers out, drop in lcd replacements these are not just you know you run of the mill dell tft 20 inch panel that you can get off ebay for a tenner these are proper um design for purpose CRT replacement panels yeah. so they come in an arcade or, or frame mount it, well, let's keep it to the context of what we're talking about they come in an arcade kind of mount similar to like a, a Geo, an Electropump 7 or a Wells Gardener, uh, and they are designed to drop into the same points that one of those monitors like say in a Pac-Man or in a, in a Defender would, would have sat into they are a tri-sync monitor that can take 15 kilohertz for your standard points and they can also take you 25 kilohertz for say medium res games like paperboy if you really want yeah. uh, and also up to 31 kilohertz for your uh, for things like crazy taxi you know and, and those you know that the, the the newer spec games that came out later down the line uh, that need a higher res But yeah the, the tri-sync um they're so far so good we're we'll just trying to get the price point down on them But once we've settled on one that's got the right viewing angle The right sheen to it All those sorts of good things to do it Then we'll be able to offer that as a drop-in So the idea being that you pick your shell Pick your um, uh, pick any things that you want inside it Pick your artwork um, get, you know, All those sorts of things And we deliver you a completed machine uh, That can either be a single-use game Like, you know, like we've done for Rally X uh, Which would we'll actually play new Rally X um, or it can be a multi-game if you want. The other things we're not doing is we're not putting PCs into them. With thousand million games on. Yeah, um, yeah. We're we're sticking well on the right side of the legality side with the ROMs. If you want the PC fitting, yeah, we can we can whack one in. We can install and license a copy of Windows and put your uh, a, a, an emulator a front end. You drop your own ROMs in. After that point, not our problem. Uh, I want mm. you know I don't want people coming in to us and knocking on the door and saying we're breaking the law. Um, you know, we've we're, we're hoping that um, you know we've had quite a few interested parties already for various shell shapes uh, and things like that. So you know, hopefully there it goes. And John was playing on our build demo cab that we'd done to a sort of white side. John Studley, yeah, yeah, John Studley, and he was trying to go for another perfect game. What we wanted him to do was play test, effectively, a, a, a Pac-Man shaped cab that had been configured to be a genuine Pac-Man machine, so all it was short of, realistically, was the artwork on the sides. Yeah. It had a genuine control panel on it, a genuine monitor, um, uh, the bezel was a little bit scratty on it, but you know, that's not really the, the biggest problem. You know, For the most part, I mean, John was really supportive and, and helped us, He you know, gave us a few pointers on things that he would need from a world-class play point of view, but all of those things would... Pass any casual Or even Sort of like Intermediate level Game I mean Not even Know yourself sure You've got some like Pretty pretty exacting Standards that you Need for a, shooter, for a Shmup Yeah um, But uh, you know For for people like Me who can you know Rack up maybe A couple hundred Thousand on Mr. Do Or you know Play for half an Hour on Pac-Man Or Donkey Kong Or whatever And you know I'm not going For world records it's certainly going to pass muster you know, we've even gone to the point where we can get proper control panel latches as well from underneath so you can pop the panels in and out not just you know carriage bolts and things like that right, uh, right. unless the panel or the shape of the machine that we were duplicating for somebody or creating a, an authentic replica for was um, you know used carriage bolts say like a missile command or something mm-hmm. and we've got about six shapes that we're planning on doing but if you've got one specific that you want then you know we have the beauty of we have the original machines and we can make the templates from it as well so we can do like your space duel we can do your robotrons we can do your pac-mans we can do your donkey kongs and we will be doing all those uh, we can even duplicate Electro and glare shapes but we've got all those original machines and we can get authentic templates from them rather than just sort of a lot of guesswork which is unfortunately what i see with a lot of the plants uh, that are all over the net they're either you know slightly misshaped or um uh, in either direction, you're know, oversized, undersized. You know, mm. and then you have to do a lot of custom modification to, to you know. And we're also we're using uh, good good joinery techniques as well. Everything's done in house. Uh, we fit T moulding to the outside, so we can get metal work for the marquee retainers. Um, you know, some upgrades that we're making are things like putting uh, two two four inch speakers in, uh, which can can be figured configured in stereo or mono, depending on what you want. So, you know, those are just some of the things that we were able to do with this project. And John was playing it as if it was a, uh, you know, an actual proper, on-the-go, perfect Pac-Man game. So, you know, and and I think he just had a bad run. It's, you know, he had an authentic, uh, an original board inside it, which we'd done for him. So he wasn't using an emulator board, he was using original hardware inside the machine, original monitor. And one of the things he kept saying to me all the time was, wow, this monitor's just so crisp, I've never seen... And, and all right, we had changed. It wasn't a Wells Gardener 4,600. It was an Electro-Home g 7. And that's not a common one to have in a packland cab. It's more, usually always a, a 4,600 or or, or or something similar to that, or a 4,951 or something. We are at the no. kebab house. We have, now actually, just... we have now arrived at our destination, which was the kebab house. Just, just one right? last thing, James. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the price,
0: obviously it's going to be bespoke, so you can't see anything about the price because each, each cab is going to be different.
2: I can tell you a rough idea. so yeah. And, and th- this, this goes from different... If you wanted us to pay, pretty much build something up that included a multi-game board and an LCD monitor, including a control panel and all the other stuff, so it'd have a marquee light and stereo speakers and all the rest of the things in whichever shape you want, you're probably looking around about 1,200 quid. Right, for a perfect cab. Yeah, for a perfect replica machine configured to your spec. Now, if you want to go... The whole hog and put a, and put, say a J Rock in to make a defender or a, or a Robotron. Yeah, we can go that far. We can we can get hold of. We can't get hold of original Weco sticks because they're just. And I'm and I'm not trying to get original sticks for absolutely everything. And the reason for that is they just aren't enough for us to be able to fulfil the orders that would come up. Yeah. If you've got parts though, we you supply them to us and we'll fit everything exact for you. So if you've got a pair of Weco sticks and you want a Robotron making and you want to use a J-Rock board, and you have a CRT, you, you get all those parts to us, we'll wear it up, we can either wear it um, completely original, with an, a, a Golden Age adapter to go from J-Rock to, to the Williams uh, loom, I wouldn't advise it, I'd just go jammer all the way through, it's just so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can get us the WECO sticks, and all the other bits and pieces that you need to make an absolutely exact, you know, we, we can obviously discuss all the pricing options and everything, because you know, I'm, I'm just going off, if we were going from stock, For for sort of twelve hundred and that that's that's a that's community based price. Um, for everything for everybody else, it's going to be a little bit more expensive because I'm just expecting a lot more, uh, but people to want more more customization. But Mm. for the for the you know for the for the collector type, you know anything sort of from twelve hundred possibly down, depending on what parts you already have as well. You know we can even fit original boards, and don't forget we can repair pretty much most of the original boards anyway for you. So if, if you've got a board set for something that's not working we can fix that and pop that in for you and, and even wire it up uh, as per original spec if you need us to. Right, So this is a goer <laughs> now. You can do them now. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, get in touch with us. Um, yeah, through the website. Or... Yeah, www.retrogamesparty.co.uk. Retro-gamesparty.co.uk. That's the one. Or give us a call, 03300885690. Yeah. office hours only. No, you can't have my mobile number. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you, James. Let's go and get a kebab. You're welcome, as always, Sean. Let's Cheers. get a kebab.
0: Yeah so anyone that wants a, even just a shell building he can yeah. he can do all the woodwork and the artwork.
1: Well that's handy, isn't it?
0: Yeah and then people can put their own control panels in or even they can just give him all the bits yeah. and say you know I've got these authentic sticks and buttons can you put them in a defender or whatever and Nice. Yeah.
1: That's so pretty good because the- a lot of the cabs that people build uh, like the you know the companies that sell them on eBay and stuff they're not anywhere near what they should be. And I've Mm. seen some of the shells James has made, and they are cock-on.
0: So that would be quite nice.
1: Excellent stuff.
0: Yeah, He had two at the show. He had a Pac-Man, and this is Blackpool, and a Rally-X, which was running new Rally-X PCB. Cool. And the only thing, the bezel wasn't quite finished on the new Rally-X, but it looked perfect, you know, because the artwork was great. The the control panel and the marquee, it looked looked brand new. Yeah, nice. Especially if Mm. it's the
1: right shape as well, because you see a lot of these cabs, and... They've done them a certain shape and they've put the artwork on and sometimes the artwork isn't in the right place or it's been cropped and it just doesn't look right. But, yeah, I've seen some of these ones he's doing and they're really nice. They're sort of one-to-one within a couple of millimetres, aren't they?
0: But, yeah, he's got the original cab, so he just takes a template from yeah. the original cab. Yeah, that's what nice
1: one, That's what. When I've done a few cabs before, I've built a few before. I've built a Phoenix trim line before, which i never sort of finished. I did a Donkey Kong, which is I think is the one RK Arcade Club. And I also did. I've got my uh, Dig Dug Cabaret, which I've got to finish yet, which I'm, I'm doing. And I always just take the original cabs because I've always had them, mm. or you yeah. know, one that's the same kind of cab but a different game. And I've just done it that way. But it's still very mm. difficult to do because you know, getting woodwork right and stuff, especially with angles and such. It's it's quite difficult to do sometimes, especially the internal stuff. Yeah, Yeah, nice one. Look forward to that. Mm. We have to talk about this. Have you? You know, I'm a switch. I'm a Switch convert, a Nintendo Switch convert. I really like this this machine. Yes. I'm not a modern gamer, but some of these new indie games I've been playing, and even some of the you know the AAAs, like the, the Marios and the Zeldas, I really enjoy. And this is just, coming out in March or April, I think. This is a little holder for two sets of Nintendo Switches, and it's shaped exactly like a Nintendo Red Tent arcade machine. Mm. How cool is that? Well, and I commented cool. on Twitter, oh, I hope it's going to ship... With some downloadable games of versus games, and I think you can get some versus games on the Switch already for download. Imagine playing a bit of balloon fight on a little tabletop like that with two Switches, because you could play four players on that. You could play tennis on there, which Mm. is a four-player game. That'd be awesome. It looks really neat, but apparently it's fifty-eight quid. It's quite a lot of money just for a holder. Yes, but it is quite nice. I'm quite tempted.
0: Looks all right, yeah.
1: A new one. A toy manufacturing company called Taste Maker is going to be making two different kinds of four-foot arcade cabinets. These will be a DIY put-together deal with four games on each. I presume they're licensed as well. One machine is trackball-centered and has Centipede, Millipede, Missile Command and Breakout. The other machine just has buttons on its control panel with Asteroids, Asteroids Deluxe, Tempest and Major Havoc on it. All vector games. Now, alarm bells to us arcade nerds and probably our arcade listeners... LCD screens, for a start. Uncomfortable-looking flat panels on this. Have a look on the website. I've put some pictures on there. Uh, yep. Orientation of the games on the first cab. Centipede, Millipede, and Breakout are all vertical games, as you well know, Mr. Holly. Yes. Missile Command is horizontal, which is odd for a start. Breakout is also a pot-controlled game, not a trackball, but it works okay with it with a trackball. On the second cab, the orientation of the games conflict again, Tempest being vertical or the other's horizontal. And Major Havoc normally uses a roller or a spinner, at least, for control. The artwork on the sides of the, uh, the pictures on the web is awfully cut off, like I mentioned a minute ago. It's really bad due to the shape of the cab. Oh, dear. Why don't these modern manufacturers make a cab-shaped cab, like James is doing? The most authentic mm. shaped ones I've seen... Uh, apart from James's obviously but these are sort of um, ones you can actually buy in shops weirdly it's also the most terrible software is used on them and these are the Arcade Mania cabinets they sell in Argos and Selfridges for a mind-boggling £1272 good god uh, at least they've got CRT monitors in but they're only a 14 inch decased cheap TV and the actual game hardware and software inside is NES on a chip so they're all NES games do you remember at the mm. Oxford, sorry, the Cambridge Computer Museum, they've got one there, but what they've done is they've taken the rubbish games out of it and put some nice ones in there. They put a 61 in there, I think. Right. It's not a bad-looking little cabinet, but the screen looks awfully small on a normal-sized cabinet. It's only a 14-inch screen. But yeah, mm. 1272 quid for a cabinet. Ooh. Oof. Uh Also, more sad news. Um, you know Ben Heckendorn, the ace hacker who watches videos in the bath a lot? Yes. He's uh, ceasing to do the Ben Heck show after June this year. He's given it up.
0: That's why. Because you're watching him in the bath and it was putting him off.
1: I don't think he knows that. But um, okay. what the hell am I going to watch in the bath for inspiration to all these hacky, trickery, jiggery, pokery things that he does?
0: I've given you the answer there at the bottom.
1: Oh, do you know what? Mm. I already do. 8 um, bit guy. I-, I did ask Mr. Heckendorn. Uh, hopefully he's going to keep doing stuff. And he said on Twitter. He's not going off the radar, and he will be doing stuff from time to time. So he's going to be tinkering. And he also, he was part of the spooky pinball team. He, he did a, a game of theirs, and he was doing another one. And apparently, he didn't like the fact that it was taking too long. So he's backed out of the project now, and it's sort of going, to be, going to be shelved. But I'm not sure what he's up to now. Hopefully something good. Um, mm. And you say, at the end of our little piece, watch 8-Bit Guy, and I already do. Actually, he's, he's really good, cool. isn't he? He's very mm. good, yeah. He does all sorts of uh, 8-bit stuff. I watched him taking apart a, a Macintosh when I got my one to see what was up to it. And uh, yeah, he's quite good. He, he gets a lot of people sending him stuff, and he sort of hacks things and fixes things and retrobytes stuff and you know, DIY does things. And it, basically, he's not exactly an expert, but he learns on, on the way. So he does things very concisely and intelligently, and he just sort of learns as he's doing it, and he tells people what he's doing.
0: It's really interesting. I like the 8-bit guy. It's cool kind of relaxing yeah. you end up watching 20 minute videos on cga graphics i'm thinking why am i watching this i could be doing <laughs> someone else or what is the best laptop from 1994 you could be scrubbing you your just, bath. your bath. you just end up watching it because it's so interesting
1: yeah it's good right this is a quick little feature we're going to be talking about over the next coming months revival is on the horizon revival is a, a show in the midlands in Wolframpton, Wolverhampton, I think. Uh, and we usually go to it, don't we, Sean? Are you going this year?
0: I am, as long as you do this whole piece in that accent.
1: I can't do it all in that accent.
0: Just do a few paragraphs.
1: So this is what's going on at Revival this year. We're going to have close to 100 arcade machines of all shapes and sizes. The most we've ever had. The three to four sections will have spread the crowd up and soak up the feel of each year separately. Golden Age, Silver Age, Nintendo and Japan... Arcade Club have promised us cabs that won't have made touring event appearances in recent years, and Alex is looking into setting a high-score challenge to officially set a Twin Galaxies photographed with records for high for Skyskipper Arcade.
0: Very good. The Vectorcade. Chris Parsons, Mr. CMP himself, is bringing more Vectrexes than have ever existed. Yeah, he's bringing a bunch of new games like Vector Patrol and Vector Pilot. I'm dying to play Vector... So it's a patroller, but it's awesome, plus some cool new peripherals.
1: A dedicated gaming cosplay group invited to entertain the visitors to be photographed with. Nearly 30 individual trader pictures, include imports, rarities, gaming-related apparel, and artistic creations.
0: Workshops and fringe attractions including an Amiga music creation workshop by DJ Echo. Echo screening of a new gaming culture documentary a gaming masterclass and an indie gaming insight panel
1: the indie game of show contest featuring amateur coders indie software houses and personal projects of former big name coders on everything from the classic systems to pcs and the spectrum next
0: Confirmed segments of Games Animal TV, this is Dave Perry's thing, for the live recording at the events, the Developers Challenge, where a few will get the chance to play the developers at a game they created. Our own Beat the Elite segment where competitors will face their very own Videators for the game's animal trophies, including arcade challenges. We'll have to do some of them. Ooh. There is also a location there'll also be a location tour and show report conducted by Dave himself, speaking to visitors and exhibitors about the event.
1: We've introduced group tickets given discount for adult groups of four for the price of three and interchangeable day tickets to make it more accessible for all.
0: And there's an invite-only after-party exclusively for staff, exhibitors and UK Vac members. £10 entry from 7pm until pub closing time at the venue to enjoy the gaming and socialise, including a choice of curry or chilli dinner, plus chips, breads, etc. VAC members should express an interest in the revival thread on VAC and can pay on the day. Going to that, are you? Oh, yeah, you. Oh, yes. We could go to that weird pub and dance again. We probably will. We
1: probably will. Yeah. Uh, Talks panels to be announced from two major software houses, including one not yet seen at any major retro gaming event. There's also two more surprise names that may be appearing at part of the
0: Games Animal TV. The return of Rhythm Gaming and dedicated shooting alley light gun Zone we've not had for a couple of years. Rhythm
1: Gaming. Are they going to have a a U-beat? Might do.
0: Oh, that'd be good. Can't wait. So
1: that's the stuff going on at Revival. We shall give more updates as Craig Turner tells us about them. I'm looking forward to this one already. it would be a good one.
0: Yeah, it's twice the size of last year. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be brilliant. Arcade pickups.
1: Right, I've had a few pickups. Do you want to know about them? Mm. No. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, No, yeah, go on. Nintendo to (laughs) Jammer adapter, which I'm using in my little Jammer cab to run my Nintendo games on. Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., etc. Uh, proprietary pins to edge connector Nintendo adapter. This is one for the slightly older Nintendo games. It used loads of little silly black plugs rather than just an edge connector, like Space Fever right. does this. And my my version of Donkey Kong got a four layer version. I'm trying to find a two layer PCB that uses it as well. It's a right pain. I've got to make up loads of wires for it. Uh, Nintendo buttons have got true authentic. Well, not authentic. They're they're repros, but good repros of the Nintendo two blue start buttons and the orange jump button. Uh a St. Mark's Barcade T-shirt, which I'm wearing right now. Oh, this is a good one. Bridge Direct, Rampage, and Joust mini arcade machines exclusive to Walmart, the colour versions. And these are the good My other three, I've got Frogger, Cubot, and Centipede. Remember seeing nice. these ones? Yeah, yeah. They're really good. I had, to, I had to go to a horrible Walmart and find them, but I found them pretty quick. So I've got all the all the exclusive Walmart ones. I the the colour LCD ones that are a lot nicer than the rubbishy ones. Because mm, they released yeah. some very very simple sort of LCD ones, like, like the old LCD games, but yeah. these are actual NES versions on there. They're quite smart little games, pretty good. And you can hack Joust to play Defender, apparently.
0: Right, oh that's what well, because it's the same game on the chip, like the Pac Man thing.
1: Yeah, similar kind of thing. You just just I think you just mm. bridge a little a little point and it plays Defender. Because I think I think Joust and Rampage, you're te- 8 and 10. I think number 9 is going to be Defender. And that's probably what they've done. They just got it ready and they use the same boards for it. But Defender isn't out yet, otherwise I would have got that as well. What else have I been getting? Oh, Cheez-Its! Yes! I brought two boxes of Cheez-Its back. I bought a small box of the normal ones. No, they were big Cheez-Its, a lot bigger than normal. I sent you a really? picture with it next to a £2 coin so you could see the size of them.
0: I wonder what that was. I couldn't... <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't get in my head what the... So it was a two pound coin. That was, was a two pound
1: coin, actually. Almost as big because normal cheeses are only about as big as a pound coin.
0: Right. So yeah, they're
1: Quite big. I've eaten all them.
0: They're gone. You've probably eaten two pounds in weight of them, have you?
1: No, no. These, this was quite a small box. So the big box I brought back is not one of the huge boxes like last time. But the big box I brought is the the white cheese, the white cheddar ones, and I'm going to send them all to you because I'm on a diet. You can have them all.
0: Oh. Oh. We can swap at Revival. I've got some Tim Tams for you.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to those. But you can have all these cheeses.
0: Oh, you and Mrs. Nice. Holly could have them
1: because I know you like them. She loves them. Oh, mango flavoured Diet Cokes from America as well. Mango? Yeah, they were nice. Oof. Yeah, they were good. They gave me a bit of heartburn, but they're quite nice. They're all gone as well now. Uh, another 4T arcade PCB feet. Another little feet that go in the corners of them so you can attach them to cabinets. I bought some more of them. So yep. get them low on those. Oh, uh, this arrived today, actually. A rather attractive... Hmm, madam. Nintendo 2DS XL, the Black and Turquoise Edition. Oh. Uh, my little 3DS, is hurting my eyeballs a bit on the plane, so I bought one mm. of the bigger ones. It's only t- the 2D version. It hasn't got the 3D on it, but it came mm-hmm. play exactly the same. so has have got the 3D effects, I saw, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's a really nice little game. I was playing Shantae on it earlier. So good. So good, sir! Uh, Ultra Street Fighter on the Switch. I bought it because it was £10 off. I wasn't going to pay 35 quid for it cause I thought it was quite a lot of money for an older game. But it's down to 25 now, so I bought it when I was in America. I've been playing that a bit. I can only finish it on easy. I'm, I'm not very good at street fire, but I do enjoy it, though. It's good fun.
0: You've got here, yeah, I think you must have had a spell checker on it, but you've put Ultra Street Carter. Yes. So it's in, like it in a cart.
1: Yes, cart. It's Ultra Street Carting. <laughs> That'd be good, that, wouldn't it? I also bought another game. I can't remember the name of the thing. It's Tachyon Project. I call it Tachyon Thingy on the Switch. Mm. It's a twin-stick shooter, rather like Geometry Wars, which I really, really enjoy. That was quite good. It's only a cheapy game. It's good, though.
0: Mm, Nice. Quite difficult. Pickups, I have. I have two at well. Go on. The lovely Rich Chunks has sent me a new motherboard and a new processor to to sort out my Alien PC that we talked about last time. Alien
1: PC? Is it from ailing. Mars?
0: Ailing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a posh word for me, that. It is.
1: No, ailing is when you go out on the ale, isn't it? Drinking.
0: Yeah. I'm just going ailing, love. Drinking? How about a drinking PC? That'd be good, wouldn't it?
1: That'd be difficult.
0: Just fill it with lager and it'll run for weeks. <laughs> I don't think it will. No. Anyway, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit, what I, what I did with them. Yes. Listener feedback.
1: So we got lots of feedback.
0: First one oh no. Go on. That damnable Meister of Trolls. Yes. Troll nods. Anyway, he's he's give us some good feedback, some some nice feedback. Well backhand is lo- lo- Love love this one. Most entertaining. Nice to have you back though. One thing Troll Trollnads, he did say that it's shocking that we did not mention the suspect Charlie Farr screenshot he accidentally posted when he appeared to show that autofire had been used on X-to-X's. Right. He says, is this, is, is this being buried now like how Twin Galaxy protects its stars? You, you know what? Charlie Farr put a couple of E's at the end of Charlie. He said, oh, I've left the auto fire on. Oh, when he, <laughs> as, a, as a joke.
1: Oh, uh, I see. Nads, I, I had no idea it. what it was. I didn't really pay much attention to it.
0: Troll Nads is on it like a tramp on chips.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure Charlie Fire doesn't need to cheat anything. He is an arcade god. Who will strike down the Troll Nads with great vengeance and furious anger. And you will know his name is Charlie Fire when he lays his vengeance upon me. Yes. Wow. Sean Pie Factory Podcast has just put hashtag cow disremembrance disease.
0: Because you were on about a cow in 1942 that wasn't there. I and had you-
1: to explain this to my wife the other day. And and I dis- keep seeing cow disremembrance. I said to her, I keep saying to her now, what are cows? They look like horses or dogs. And she's like, don't be an idiot. And I say, what <laughs> colour are they? I can't remember cows. <laughs> That's what you get, cow disremembrance disease.
0: Yes, so disremembrance, you mean forgetting? You keep saying you disremembered something. Yeah. You, you mean you
1: forgot it. I've forgotten the word forgot. <laughs>
0: yeah. I've disremembered it. Andrew Hannay was not happy with us playing, not playing all of the Outrun tune done by Woody Piano Shack. Sorry about that. We only played a bit because it was a long show already, Andrew. I think we played a couple of minutes.
1: But Andrew Hannay can go to website, Facebook page, whatever it's on, and listen to all of his tunes. They're really good.
0: There's a link in the show notes, kids. He does actually have a piano shack on the beach in Barbados. Cool. Maybe. Lewis mm. Back
1: Cave. Great podcast again, chaps. Victor, some me your R-Type conversion. Pretty please. I will sell him one when I've done another one.
0: Excellent. Benson Rad. Great listen, chaps. I did try and play Elevator Action for the challenge. I think I should have looked up how to play it first, though. Had no idea you were meant to go in the doors. That happened to me first time. Ah, just thought it was a race to the bottom without getting killed. Now I know I kept getting beamed back to the top each time. I gave up in the end.
1: Right, there's a little thing to do here. When you want to play a game and you've never played it before and you don't want to do any research, just watch the game playing on your track mode for a little while. It shows you how to do it. So you should have mm. watched that. Ed Horse, finally the sultry tones are back in my earlobes again. Great episode. I missed the high scores for both of these over Christmas, but back in the game now with the mighty R type. Can Ed Horse have a
0: ping? That was a crap ping. What's that with what your minute. pinger? I think it's, it's on it. Let me just try again. <laughs> there you go. That's some more. That's better. Well, I'll tell you why later when it comes to the scores. Okay. He's gone above and beyond the Call of Duty. Oh, okay. With his hooves. Yeah, with hooves. What? what what's a horse? Oh no! Oh god! I've got horse remembrance disease. You've just remembered horses. <laughs> oh no! What? Why
1: they? Have they got two, three feet?
0: I'll Legs? send you pic. I'll send you picture. Oh. Anyway, Sal Bug. I'm going to say bug because I can't say surname. Sorry, yes, exactly. Do we? Can you just say? Do we say that right? Yes, we do. As well. Of course I do. Do we? Yes. Oh. Well, I do. It- East, but you guys crack me up I've been catching up and listening to the old podcasts and at the end of the Batsugan episode, when you started the, talking about the upcoming titleless episode, I swear I was crying from laughing so loud so hard, I was walking to work and li- literally laughing out loud, thank god no one saw me because I was completely alone I take public transport to and from work so I'm fully expecting to burst out later today during my commune home anyway, I would like to send an email to let you know how much you guys crack me Thanks again for the awesome podcast. I actually really look forward to my commute because of it. What am I going to do when I'm all caught up?
1: Yeah, Sal often sends me emails as well with his scores. and was wondering why his score was so low compared to a bunch of us lot on Twitter with the big boys' scores. He asked if we were using save states. I wonder if this is in light of the Billy Mitchell claims. Mm. Uh, no, we never do. We never use save states in this. And I did send him an email back, but just to, to clarify for everyone else, if you're playing a, one of our games, don't, don't cheat. I'm sure you don't. It's just silly. I'm, I'm sure our listeners don't. If you want to use mm. save states to practice a certain level, absolutely fine. But when you send a score in, just make sure it's from start to end with no mucking about in between. If, yeah. you can, if you're playing on MAME and you want to pause it, no problem. It's not strict, you know, that sort of thing. But don't use auto-fire. Don't use cheat in. Don't use save states.
0: Just, just play the game get a score. No, there's no prizes involved. Mm. So that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, thanks to Alex Nintendo Arcade, GJ Harris, and Steve Monkey Chunk for nice comments on our Facebook page.
1: Thank you, guys. And the exploding pinball meister, Boom Go Pinball. He was watching the Olympics 2018. Skellington, and I kept mispronouncing mm. his name. Do you know what they've got?
0: Skellington.
1: Skellington dismembrance disease.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah. there's a lot of it going around, isn't there.
1: There is. Have you noticed that um, all the American children are beating everyone in the in the records there? I had to. Yeah. I like to watch some of this annoying Olympics in America. When I was over there It just bugs me. It's boring. But mm. there was like a twelve year old beat everyone on the uh, snowboarding thing. Right. He was. He was about seventeen, I think, or something stupid, and he just just didn't care. He was just like, "Yeah, man, I've done it." <laughs> I was like, what? Right. And, and and one of the uh, one of the female snowboarders on the sort of half pipe thingy they do. Apparently she tweets when she's in the middle of competing <laughs> and she still won it all,
0: yeah. God. So
1: in between she's waiting, she's tweeting out stuff, just about to do the thing, and it just wins it and stuff. Yes. Mm.
0: Yeah, i am not been following that. Shout out. Apologies for Stuart Time Warp. A shout out to Stuart Time Warp for missing his Exidex's score. Maybe, Vic, I should pack up this scorekeeping, this scorekeeping lark, and just live in a cave.
1: You already live in Blackburn. You're halfway there, mate.
0: Halfway in a cave.
1: Halfway in a cave.
0: I'll send some of my Blackburn mates around to duff you up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if they
1: can get out of Blackburn, that is.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. They just
1: ride around on single wheels like in uh, BC's Quest for Tyres, don't they? It's a good game, that. This is not bad. Uh, congratulations to Ian Cullen. Like, whoa, whoa. For 1cc one in 1942. Thing. Like you, yes.
0: son. Did With he beat sc- your score? No. But he's got 11.6 million. I got 11.7. And I think Charlie Farr and nad has got 11.8, 11.9, something like that.
1: Wow. Still a way off from the world record. The world record's about 13 million, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think some Japanese guys got 14, I really? think. Yeah. Because you
1: guys, obviously you play it properly, and you, you go to the end and you beat the boss, and that's it, however many lives you've got left. But the real high-score pullers they go to the very end with all their lives they beat they almost beat the boss kill themselves and then almost beat the boss again and kill all their lives up until the very last one and then complete the game for maximum points i take it you guys aren't doing that because you're just happy you got to the end
0: yeah i, I was so pleased that i got there and yeah. i thought i'm not messing it up if I, if it take i had 5 lives left so i could have really? actually 250,000 but i oh, thought man. if i lose all these lives you yeah, know keep getting killed the and, and then and Die on the last guy, yeah, so I just did it. I just had to do it.
1: It's still an amazing achievement anyway. Well done. Well done. Yeah, well done, Ian. Uh I don't know if I've got any shout outs. I've not been talking to anyone lately.
0: It's like me with pickups. Nout. Nout. Tech tips.
1: We have an unusual from Mr Holly, a tech tip. Take it away, Mr Holly.
0: This is really a tech story of how I got my main PC you up, tell and, you a story? up and running again. Before, I think last time I said I think it's the hard drive
1: because
0: mm-hmm. she's getting all these weird errors. Right?
1: What, so it could could it not
0: remember cows? It, it's really tri- yeah st- struggling with that. You clicked on cow dot x and it was like what? Where? Who? What's There's a no cow? Mm. There's no x's. It's Linux. Oh, yeah, of course. X X is a rubbish. Yes. Anyway, sorry. So I was speaking to Rich and he says, Right, yeah, it sounds like getting problems with a motherboard. And yeah. I thought, yeah, the hard drive works. I got a new hard drive. He sent me a motherboard, bless him. So I got the motherboard and he says, You might as well have this processor that was with it. So it's an I three with it. Yeah. So I set all that up, got the old motherboard out, getting the same problems. I I still had Windows 7 install on the new hard drive, getting all the same problems. And the what I actually found out was the motherboard drivers were not installing, so a lot of them. So I couldn't connect to the internet. The, the USBs were not working right. I think it was Ethernet controller, PCI serial ports. So I couldn't really do any updates to Windows 7. Yeah. So... I went back to try and install the latest Lubuntu 17.10. That installed okay. Well, it did when I unplugged the Ethernet cable. Something very weird going on. But there were loads of graphics missing. And yet again, I couldn't connect to the internet to do any upgrades. So it just was freezing with a black screen. So I went went a step back to Lubuntu 16.4, which is what I'm using on here now. Mm -hmm. That installed all right. I put in the Ethernet lead, and it allowed to install the updates. Yeah. SDL MAME went on fine. So far, so good. I copied all the the MAME 193 ROMs onto a USB stick, put it in, it instantly corrupted. Oh. The stick instantly corrupted. So I reformatted the stick and tried again with a few ROMs, instantly corrupted. So still something weird with these oh. motherboard drivers. Yeah. So I a, a reformatted, instead of NTFS, I formatted the stick to FAT32, yeah. and that worked. Ah. It, it would accept FAT32. Yeah. So
1: NTFS is a Windows-only thing, isn't it? Because I know Macs
0: don't, don't talk to NTFS stuff. Yeah, Linux does now. Yeah, oh, that's done for years. yeah, mm, so. mm. Uh, Even a a Linux, what's it called? A dev4 partition, partitions, that that didn't work either. So eventually I found, (laughs) I got all that on, got it all working. And I was looking through the, the Ubuntu software update and I found a driver not in use. Intel microcode firmware for Intel CPUs. Ubuntu does not install proprietary drivers by default. And I read up on it and found out if if you're using anything newer than a third gen core, you need this latest microcode driver, and it will avoid several errata crashes and data corruption. So that's what I think's happened. So oh. I put this. So you know, I changed a few tech checkboxes, put this proprietary driver in, yeah, and since then, it's working.
1: All oh, right. So it's just a problem with. Not using the correct drive for these slightly newer processors, and the
0: motherboard. Yeah, they, oh really? Because it's because it's an unusual bespoke motherboard. I think it's got some unusual drivers in there somewhere. Because oh. it's not any, it's not an, a standard ATX size. It's not mini. It's not micro. Oh. It's like De- Dell made their own motherboard for these small form factor. They're business PCs. These really, yeah, yeah. They, they weren't designed
1: Rob. to use Linux. On I suppose they were designed to yeah. use with
0: Windows. Yeah, and even that didn't work. Okay. So I've got it working. I've left it running for ages. I've played loads of games and not one crash. Good. So I've got 3,000 brand-new version of MAME games on there, all controlled using one hoary fighting stick. Lovely. Nice one.
1: Oh, God, I'm glad you got it sorted in, anyway, because that's a pain in the back. So I'd have thrown it out of the window by now.
0: Yeah, What's and that 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 piece that PC LCD that you gave me, that little Dell screen, you remember months and months ago? Yes,
1: this twisty one you can turn around from horizontal to vertical.
0: Yeah, it turns out it's a really low-lag thing, so it's, it's excellent You to said, play.
1: yeah, I'm quite, I want yeah. it back now. No, it? <laughs> No, it's good. I'm glad that as Because I can't remember where I got that screen. I probably got it for free, actually. Mm. I think my friend Alan sent, gave me a few screens a little while ago because his, his, the company he works for gets rid of PCs quite often. They have to update them quite regularly for what they do, and they yeah. just get rid of them. And he, he's often given them for nothing, and he gave them to me. I think I got a, that screen in some computers back then. They, they, they use Dells as well. So, yeah, that was pretty cool
0: then, wasn't it? Excellent. Yes, yeah, so it's a great compliment to me. Cab, it's brilliant. Nice one.
1: Best Games by Year. Right, here's a new section. Our
0: favourite games
1: by year. And it's going to be 1978, because stuff before then was rather primitive, and we don't really want to talk about that. But before that, let's talk at some memorable games from the Bronze Age of Arcade from 1971 to 1978.
0: Yes, I, I call it the Bronze Age. I think it's generally called that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd say that.
0: Yeah, so right, 1971, everyone knows. Computer Space by Nutting Associates.
1: Uh, you'll probably see these in museums nowadays.
0: I saw one in a dream.
1: Oh, was it lovely? A lovely dream. 1972, Pong by Atari. Same as above, Um, but I do know a few people with them in collections.
0: A couple of people mm. I know got um, Pongs. That's my... You know, you have Grail cabs. Mm-hmm. I have Grail things to play. One of them is Pong, original Pong. I very nearly got to play one down at Steve Bonhead's, but it was off. Do you know what?
1: I've mm. seen quite a few Pongs in museums and people's houses and collections. I've never actually played one. Mm, a Pong. It, it's mm. exactly the same as all the other Pongs, though, because it's the same. It's not a Pong on a oh, chip, is it? It's TTL Pong, the original Pong. So no, I haven't played mm. it. Even though we all know what Pong is. We've not played
0: an original one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the original Monaco GP is another one of my Grail plays, but I think I'm going to get to play that soon, mm. hopefully. Anyway, 1973, Gotcha by Atari, the first maze game, the first color game. There are about ten color versions made.
1: Yep. Uh, infamous for its boob-shaped controllers.
2: And what does eight thousand eight look like on a calculator? Oh, boob! Boob, yeah, all right. Uh, a very
1: basic maze game, in actual fact. Mm. nothing really to write home about
0: this one i think this is important this game 1974 clean sweep by Ramtech. it's kind of a there were there were at this time people manufacturers were trying to do more and more creative things with the basic pong system yeah. you know there was adding goals and calling it football and all that kind of thing yeah yeah so this is sort of a cross though between pong and breakout It's sort of bridging that gap
1: yeah. Uh, I'd look at this. It's odd that this cabinet uses a little joystick instead of a pot controller like all the pop, bat and ball games. I presume it's still analogue, because it would have to be, I think. Uh, the screen is filled with large dots you have to remove by hitting the ball at them. I saw a picture of the PCB. Every single chip on the PCB was a TTL chip. No ROM, RAM, or processor on this game at all. Every single chip looks exactly the same. You know, the same shape, same orientation, just loads of them.
0: God. 1974, Grand Track 10 from Atari. The first overhead racing game refined years later as Sprint and Championship Sprint and Badlands, but it was the first one of those.
1: Yep, very first racing car game.
0: Or was it? Because oh. in 1974, over in Japan, at the same time, there was an overhead racing game called Speed Race from Space Invaders guru Tomohiro Nishikado. And this is a, a overhead top down scrolling one, so different format. But it was a racing game, so I reckon they came out at the same time then too.
1: First scrolling graphics game, do you think?
0: I think so I think so, yeah.
1: I used to have a Speed Race CL5, which is the colour follow up to that game. It was so good. I wish I didn't have to get rid of it. I'd love that machine, but it was a really nice machine.
0: Ooh, nineteen seventy four the famous tank from Key Games. Great multiplayer game and it used a ROM for the first time to store graphics.
1: Most people probably know this from the Atari VCS version, Combat, uh, a packing game for a lot of the VCS consoles. Yes.
0: 1974, quack, exclamation mark, from yet again the the very creative at the time, Atari. Very first light gun game with non-mechanical targets. So I think they were ducks or squares. I don't know what they were. Yes. 1975, Western Gun. From Taito, made again by Nishikado, Dave Nutting converted it to Gunfight, released it f- through Midway, and it used a CPU in that version instead of discrete logic.
1: Yep, yeah, this is the first game to show human versus human combat. Oh,
0: 1975, Jet Fighter from Atari again—a call to play a dogfighting game that was copied a lot in other
1: dog game. Than...
0: No, not that oh, one.
1: Sorry, dog fighting, Yeah, dogfighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I own a Jet Fighter actually. It's in my shed. I've never got it working since I've had it, and I've had it about two years. Uh, it's going back to its original owner, who I suspect will have it working in about an hour.
0: Nice. Good little game. Here's one, here's one I don't know about and I want some info on it if anyone knows Avenger from Taito. It looks like an early vertical scrolling shoot 'em up, and you're flying through clouds. And it possibly used a crosshair. It looks like a, a trigger kind of controller. Anyone know anything about this? I've only seen screenshots. There's a couple of these kind of games that appear around this time. It looks like you're an aeroplane flying through clouds. And I think you've got yeah. a button. So I think there is some shooting in it. I don't know what's going yeah, on.
1: Yeah, I'll put your picture of the cab there, which I put on the website. It looks a nice little game, actually. It looks very, very primitive, obviously, 1976.
0: Mm. Hmm. Hmm. 1976 blockade from gremlin the first snake or light cycle game snacks Mm. snacks the first jerky white line game it was a bit bit clunky but it was copied a lot yeah 1976, few more to go now, Night Driver from Atari, the first, maybe, 3D driving s- simulation. One of three games licensed and made after playing a German game, Nürburgring 1. Very interesting story, the history of this. The Atari one is supposed to be the most playable, but another company, I think they're called Micronetics or something like that, they made a version. Mm-hmm. And then there's that there's 280 Zap game. There are about three versions. Yeah, all the but same. This is, this is supposed to be the best Best program on my very, playable. very
1: first console I had was an Ace-Tronic mm. when I was about seven, I think, six or seven. I had a very similar game to this. It was just basically the little, the little lines move around, and you just got to keep in the lines. That's all it was. They just snaked around. Very similar. Yeah. So it's a good little game. Um, I've played this one. I've played Night Driver on main. Rubbish. Mm. Absolute rubbish. But I've played this also on an actual, actual cab. Really good. Hmm. As with a lot of these old black and white games, the cabinet is the best and only real way to experience it. Yeah, because on on the cabinet, you haven't got a car on screen, so you are not sure where you are. What they've got is they've got a little printed sticker on the bezel on the screen bezel of your car, and you've got to keep that the road in, inside the road as it means If that goes outside the road, it crashes and you crash the game.
0: Yeah. Okay, 1976, Seawolf by Midway. A video version of an early electromechanical game called Periscope from Sega.
1: In your periscope?
0: Yes. And last one, 1977. This is the last of the Bronze Age, I reckon. Cinema yeah cinematronics space wars a version of the 1962 u.s college mainframe game called space war the game was remade a year later as space war by the same programmer larry rosenthal and it was released by vector beam there's some history between vector beam and cinematronics i have now forgotten i have to read up on it again some kind of dispute or something
1: early early stuff a lovely looking blocky cabinet have you seen the cabinet to this one it's so yeah. really square, really nice-looking thing. I've never seen a real one, and apparently the game's very, very boring. Mm. But, yeah, good, good to have those. It's kind of like
0: the Asteroids kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Right, so these are the contenders for our favourite game of 1978. I think these are the important releases, right?
1: Yeah, there's not you, many good ones in 1978, mm. in my opinion. But these are pretty good, these ones
0: you've got four breakout variants because... because Surprise, they'd, surprise. They'd, yeah, they'd run out of Pong and then Atari had done Breakout. So that's all copy Breakout for five years. So yeah. you've got Acrobat from Taito, Circus from Exidy, and Clowns from Midway, which I think was the licensed Acrobat. They, these are the breakout seesaw games. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, hilarious animation of the little wobbly guys you fling around like crazy things. Interesting use of physics depending on the angle the little guys hit the balloons determined where they will bounce on the balloons. I like the way the screen prints, or bam, when you drop one of your <laughs> daft men onto the hard floor.
0: <laughs> Another one, Avalanche from Atari. It's a bit like Kaboom, or a lot like Kaboom. It's almost exactly Kaboom. Mm. You
1: just haven't got the, the Mad Bomber at the top.
0: Uh, the other one thing. you
1: forgot to mention at the very start, um, it's an actual Breakout clone, it was Super Breakout by oh, sorry, Atari. Yeah. Uh, it got three game modes, really nice cabinet. I used to have a normal Breakout table years ago, a bit like a battleship they are.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that one. Also, we had GB. G-E-E-B. GB. From Namco, the first Namco game. First game by Toro Iwitani, the Pac-Man guy. And first in a trilogy of breakout pinball games, Things he did GB, Bombi, QT Q, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a nice game, this. Nintendo also ripped this off and released it as Bombi N. They put an N on the end. But I think it was licensed. Wasn't a total right. rip off, it was a licensed version and they released it in a cocktail cabinet.
0: Right. Seawolf Seawolf two from Midway. First ever sequel and first game to put colour to good use, proper colour, not like that old Wimbledon game, you know, the, there's a there's a few like gotcha in that. There's a few that had weird colour, but this had proper yeah. colour graphics.
1: Yeah. All off on a Seawolf, but now with two players at the same time. Seawolf and this sequel look and play awful in Maine. You will really have to. You have a real cool experience if you find a real machine with its electromechanical type effects, along with the periscope views and the controls. It's really nice to play on a proper cabinet, but in MAME, it's a flat experience. It's rubbish.
0: Mm. And the last one, Fire Truck from Atari, an innovative and and an innovative overhead scrolling driving game.
1: Yeah, two player madness on a full machine. This has been a revival before, hopefully again this year. Someone stands at the back, someone sits down, and you help each other. Like someone controls the front of the cab, and the person at the back controls the ladder, is
0: it? I can't remember. Or the, or the squirty, I can't remember now. They, they, they control the The, the sway at the back of it. Yeah. Can you see oh, me doing, no, the, sway I continue bit
1: doing there. the sway there? Yeah, it's good fun to play two players. It was also released as a one player version called Smoky Joe.
0: Yes, it was. Which I was
1: offered a few years ago, and I missed it. Nice little cabinet, really nice cabinet.
0: I'd imagine you might get bored of the game quick, but the cabinets yeah. were gorgeous, weren't definitely, they? Definitely, definitely. Really lovely. Anyway, so my pick, Your of pick course, is... for 1978, it just has to be yes. the game changer, Space Invaders.
1: Yep, yep. Hmm? topmost game of the universe, this is. I still enjoy Spacey's, and I'm still actively looking for a Taito trimline version of this cabinet. I do, however, prefer Nintendo's <clears throat> borrowed version, Space Fever, though. yeah. So, my pick is a game called Blasto by Gremlin. Uh, It's a tank-stroke-minefield kind of game. You control a tank, and you have to shoot your way through a screen full of dots to reach and shoot mines. The mines have a blast perimeter and can take out a series of mines with their explosions, so you can have like a sort of chain effect going on. And anything else, including your tank, you're against the clock and must motor around to clear the screen. It's a good, honest-to-good 70s video game. Nice. Yeah, it's a nice little game. Yeah, we should do. What's that?
0: We should make a page on the site and start filling these in, put them on as we go through year by year. Yeah, can do. Should, we do. should we do that? Yes. Flyer quiz.
1: Right then, Sean, I've got a flyer quiz for you.
0: Oh, Is it a good one?
1: Yeah, not a bad one. I'll try wow. not to reveal what they're actually called, because I've got them on me. You can't see these, obviously, and they're not on our notes. This is where we, we read out parts of a flyer, and Sean... Can try and guess what the what the game is. Yes. If, if it's obvious, we'll put a blank in the in the way of it. Blank blank is taking off. Make sure you're on board. The exciting new video game of strategy and skill. The object is to manoeuvre a delicate swaying blank blank through a maze of pinwheel obstacles, which attack the blank, forcing players to take evasive action. Additional flight hazard is Hurricane Man, who attempts to blow the blank off course onto the pinwheels. What do you think that is, Sean? crazy balloon yes it. well done yes. yeah come the next one is control the player using eight-way joystick punch button for left or right punch jump button for jump press jump and press punch button for jump kick towards right direction press jump button and press kick button for jump kick toward left direction press jump and press punch button at the same time for elbow punch backwards press jump and kick button at the same time for back kick Push joystick toward either left or right twice for headbutt.
0: Karate champ. Kicker. Uh, <laughs> uh, Do
1: you want to come back to it? Give us
0: a Two players can play at the
1: same time. Sean has a really confused look on his face right now.
0: More than normal. No, I don't know. It's, it's broke that one.
1: Double dragon. Double dragon. Should have got that with uh, a headbutt. Elbowing. Yeah, you the can elbow elbowing. on it. Yeah. All right. You can actually, com- I think you can complete the game with just Headbutt, can't you? I don't know. Because they can't evade that. Next one. The princess of a mythical land is captured by a messenger of Argon, the lord of goblins. Wherever Sir Michael, the brave and resourceful knight who dearly loves the princess, vows to rescue her. To save the princess, the daring Sir Michael must brave the dangers of the six gates guarding Argon's kingdom. The gates are defined by the Gastry generals, determined to protect the Finnish lord's lair. The knight has five weapons at its command which will use skillfully to destroy the attacking ghouls and events into Argon's realm. The knight needs your help to rescue the princess and escape. Ghosts and goblins. Yeah. I shouldn't have used the word goblins then, should I? Uh, yeah, you should have. Been. The thing with this one, this was taken from the American flyer and the names are wrong because in Ghosts and Goblins, I'm sure your, your, your character is called Arthur. It's not Dave. It's yes, yeah, Dave, obviously, but Arthur's his real name. And the bad mm. guy isn't called a messenger of Argon, is he? I thought it was the devil. Yeah. Next one. Still got it. You do get it. That's two out of three so far. How many is there? Five. This is the next one. Each stage in the rescue attempt requires a different skill, a different defence or plan of attack. Sometimes only a quick, instinctive reaction will work. Other times, strategy must be matched with delicate timing for success. It's a variety of play of characters and situation that's keeping players at the controls and keeping earnings on an upward swing. Street Fighter. Swing, Sean. Upward swing.
0: Boxing. <laughs> Box fighter. <laughs> upward swing, swing. Circus Charlie. Some game. Go on, go on. Guess clue.
1: <laughs>
0: Jungle Hunt. Eventually. Jungle King, Jungle Hunt, yeah. These are easy.
1: Yeah, they are, and I'll give you an easy clue. Right, last one. Lupin, that merry madcap, is after all the gold coins and riches scattered on the pathways of the maze. As he runs about to pick up the the loot, four super detectives are in constant pursuit. Lupin can escape their clutches by clever manipulation of the four-way joystick and the lock button, which can temporarily bar their way and even lock the detective between bars or by exiting the maze and returning on the opposite side. You must also be aware of the gates open and close randomly to block his path. Lock and chase? I shouldn't have said lock, should I? Yeah, you should. No. So you got... Is that five. No, you didn't get five. You got three.
2: Three, got, sir. Still not bad right. for you.
1: They are quite difficult, some of these, aren't they? Yeah, they met my brain hurt. <laughs> now, I was going to do a review on my new Vectrex game, and it is... What's that, Mr Holly? Vector
0: Patrol.
1: I've got a beautiful Vector Patrol here. And I'm not going to give any spoilers away about this game. Uh, Hopefully, for next show, I will be doing the review with a guest who knows about Vectrex stuff. Mm. So we'll do it on the next one.
0: Nice. Featured game review.
1: It's about time, we're an hour and 19 minutes in, to talk about our featured game. And this is R Type. I, is it by IREAM or IREM? I've always said IREM. I have, yeah. IREM. July
0: 1987. Licensed to Nintendo for US distribution, this game is one of the all-time classic horizontally scrolling shoot-'em-ups, voted 8th in our Top 50 Games of All Time survey and renowned for its high level of difficulty. It's an 8-way stick with two buttons, Fire and four spot. Right, this is a, a quick description how to play. We all know it, but here we go. This was quite literally a game changer. You control an R9 space fighter, and your mission is to destroy the evil Bido Empire. That's a bad name for an empire, isn't it? Baido. Sounds like a dog.
1: It's evil. It sounds like something you wash your sink with.
0: Bido, yeah. Yeah, you've
1: got some Bido. just clean this sink
0: out. It's not an evil empire name. Anyway, you've got to go through eight levels of shooty heaven. You all have the... This- You have all the normal tropes of the horizontal shooter. Shoot all the bad guys, power up your ship, don't hit any of the background obstacles and destroy the EOLB. What's an EOLB? End of level boss. Yes! But IRM took this formula and pimped it out to the max. The first thing you notice is the the innovative use of the fire button and something called a charge beam. You can fire as normal, but if you keep your finger pressed on this fire button, it will charge it up, releasing a more powerful shot. You can you can half power it or you know full full power it and that is called the beam wave, that shot. Mm-hmm. The other weapon in your arsenal was also unique at the time and is called a force pod. The force pod is collected after shooting a certain type of enemy and is always the first power up you receive. By then pressing the second button, the invincible pod can be retrieved and stuck on the front of your ship Then it can be attached to the front or the back and you can, pr- you can use it like a shield then or you can press the button and it shoots forward and it's detached and it goes into the fray or it shoots backwards and then it has its own firepower. How clever is that? It's brilliant. When detached, the force pod follows the vertical movement of your ship so you can steer it a bit Mm -hmm. into the enemies you want clearing. Other than your standard bullets, there are three other types of bullets you can collect. These only operate when your pod is attached to the fighter. Otherwise, you and your pod fire the normal bullets. Knowing which weapons to use and where is the key to survival in this game?
1: Well, the weapons are three levels of intensity. The force, we call it the force field thingy, when attached to your ship, on the front or the back end, it allows the use of more awesome power-ups. They come in three colours. The first one you get is a blue crystal. It's a reflective laser, or the bouncy laser. It fires two thin beams at 45 degrees each, above and below, and one straight forward. Uh, I think if your, your force pod's on the back, it shuts it backwards, doesn't it? Mm. These lasers will boing themselves off the walls, and and the walls of a Cytron. A Cytron is an enemy that constructs walls as it moves along, first appear on a level four. They're very quick as well. When your weapon is charged to max intensity, the lasers are longer. The red crystal is air-to-air lasers. Two bullets, red and blue, fire out of the force when charged to the max. It fires a pair of intertwining red and blue lasers, creating a wide ring-like beam. This is Victor's favourite weapon in the gold game. I love that weapon. Mm. A yellow crystal is air-to-ground roof lasers. It fires a pair of beams directly above and below the warship that follows forward along the ground and the ceiling of the terrain. When charged to the max, the beams are again longer than standard. You can also get up to two multiples, like Gradius and Salamander multiples. They follow you around. But this time they're simply called bits, and they don't really do much. But you can position them on stuff, and they create damage. They can't be killed, these things. You can just Mm. attach them onto... You can fly over stuff, and it kills it off. You can also get a speed up, exactly what you think it is, just like Nemesis Gradius. Don't get more than one, or your ship is really scatty and too hard to control. Uh, homing Missiles is the last weapon. Exactly what they say on the Homing Missile Packet. They fire off up to two <laughs> Homing Missiles to help your shooty cause. Mate him stuff him right in face. Ow. Uh, these are the level descriptions. There's eight levels in total. Level one is called Encounter. Blast off and strike the evil Bido Empire. Chow chow. A usual suspect space scene where you get attacked by lots of popcorn enemies flying various sine waves. Some ground enemies and the flying snail that gives you lovely power-ups. Some flying mech suit dudes have a go at you as well. They take a few hits to take down. Use your beam weapon on those. And then you get to a bottleneck area where tons of petrol tank-headed robots attack attack you. Just before you get to the swirly snack thing, you can get the bouncy laser weapon. Assume you haven't missed any of the mecha snails. When you enter the gap of the swirly snack thing...
2: Watch out for snakes! Mm.
1: Make sure you have your beam charged up and hit it right in its blue bulbous eyeball, otherwise it will fire at you from loads of snacky segments. More popcorny enemies and a few ceiling and floor gun emplacements. You'll then fly through another bottleneck to two mecha-suit twerps, and then the background will fade to black. And you're onto the first bossy boots. Dobkeratops. It's quite impressive, alien-type thingy with a deadly whippy tail. When the heed appears out of its belly, shoot it right in face with as many weps as possible, and it'll be deed fairly quick. Is that its real name? Yep, Dobkeratops. Dobkeratops? Yep, that's what's called. Everyone knows that. Sean, come on. Oh, right, Keep come on. up, son. Level 2, Creature Cave. A nice use of parallax scrolling with loads of alien carnage hiding leapy enemies and pop-up from above and below. There are two spawny things which let out odd alien brainstroke turtle monsters. Kill them to death quickly to stop them chucking out enemies. As you travel along the cave, a sneaky skeletal snack thing will slink its way in and around your area with its segments firing at you. You, can, you can't kill the snake, only knock out its firing segments, rendering it harmless as long as you don't let it hit you. You follow this thing along for a bit until you find out where it's coming from. The boss, cyst. Oh, that sounds bad. Cyst. This looks like an alien heart with four ventricle tubes, which the sneaky snack thing is flying in and out of. Every time it reappears, as its firing segment's back again. To kill the boss, you need to smack it in the eyeball a few times, which is right in the centre on top, but it only pops up in the top middle every now and again. So the quickest way to kill it is to fly your ship just above it so your force pod is where the eyeball appears from, but don't hit the actual thing with your ship. You'll die. Keep firing the Snickers is flying around so you get all its firing segments and points. So it can't shoot at you when you're static waiting for the evil eye to appear. Easy tip. Shoot loads of Snack segments before you kill the eye to get a shed load of points. That's where I was missing my points from my total score, you know. I just mm. killed it off. Level 3. Gigantic warship or big-ass shooty ship thing. This level is very different as you need to knock out all the defences on a large vessel that's slowly scrolling towards you. There are tons of cannons and lasers on the ship shooting various nasty stuff at you and only a small amount of ground-based enemies. You have to shoot all sorts of stuff from the front, underneath, behind, and on top of the ship before you can get to the weak spot and destroy the ship. When you sneak your way to the back of the ship and then above it, you need to detach your force and stick it on your backside to shield you from the bullets galore. Time and care needs to be taken to do this level successfully. The ship moves up and down too, so be careful it doesn't squish you against the space drone while you're sneaking around to get to the weak point.
0: Happened to me, that.
1: Level 4, Frontline Base. An organic-looking level, loads of popcorn enemies come at you, with the addition of Cytrons engulfing the player in Bido webbing, which is the green and orange stuff that kills you if you fly into it. Shoot the bejesus out of it and remove it pretty quick. You encounter a ton of these later on in level, like many levels in Gradius. The Cytrons are really quick, and their trails can be walked on by other enemies, so take out that stuff as quickly as you can. But the enemies can't shoot through the stuff, so sometimes it's best to leave some intact. You get a whole screen full of bido webbing, so you either use your force pod or a fat laser to smash a path through it. The boss is called the Compiler. It attacks from the left, so you need your force pod on the back end. The boss is, in, is a ship in three parts, and when it splits, it moves around the screen, so you can then move around in front of it. Hit all the parts in the large green orb in each part of it to destroy it. That's the weak spot. Now, my best game, the first time I ever completed level 3, did the, 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 the big ship... I got onto to level 4, and I completed level 4 the first time as well. It's the only time I've done it. After that, I can't do it. So I've, I've actually done level 4 and gone to level 5. I haven't. So that's sort of an indication of my score, but I didn't get good score because I didn't do the uh, the shooty bit on level 2 to get you a good score. I didn't do the point bonus on there. You don't get much more. You don't no, get I, more. I didn't know about it until recently. So level 5, the den... It's a really nice perspective parallax scrolling background on this level. Snecky dragon things come at you, kill their heads, and then the segments that fly off towards you. You get a lot of the dragons and a screen full of popcorn enemies all firing at you at the same time. It gets quite busy until some la- laser missile ships attack you from the front. They take quite a few hits and fire from three different heights. The boss will then appear. Bellmite. Bellmite. It, looks like a, it looks like a big blob covered in frog spawn, alien frog spawn, Sean. The frog spawn flies at you so shoot it a lot to remove it from the hiding boss vessel. It doesn't take much to kill this one, to be fair, but I didn't get to the end of the level. If I had, I would have done it, because it seems quite easy to do. Mm. Level 6, transport system. gets quite busy now. A level of solid areas you can't fly through and large vehicles flying around them, you have to dodge and make careful movements to get through this while they are firing standard shots at you. The vehicles can only be destroyed by hitting the red pulsating blobs on the front of them, depending on which way they're flying. At one point in the level, a bunch of the mech shooty robots attack from above. You can't get to them because of the solid terrain, so you need to use your multiple star orbs to take them out and get loads of points. Some very careful flying through a fast-paced level is required to get to the end of this level where there is no boss, just lots of the vehicles flying around which you have to dodge until the end of the level comes. So there's not even a boss on level 6. Level Mm -hmm. 7, City in Ruins. More bottlenecks and solid scenery to fly around while millions of popcorn enemies try to give you a hard time. A solid red ship comes from behind the and needs lots of hits to take down as it slowly flies to the left of the screen, then stops. So it gets right in the way, that ship. Hundreds of more crazy popcorn enemies taking loads of pot shots at you until it seems like a lifetime before you get to boss Bronco. 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 And he's not a buckaroo horse, either. Oh, that'd be good. This is a static screen where you're rained down from above with space debris. All of it can kill you. And the boss pops out from the right hand side every now and again, and you hit it in the eye. If you don't have the yellow laser, I don't believe you can actually do this This screen. I don't think you can do it. Due to mm. having seen how you actually do it. Uh, very easy, I think, if you can get there as long as you know how. Otherwise, probably impossible. As you say, it's a, it's a memory game. Mm. Final level 8, the Baido Empire's Star. Evil green space babies with space helmets fire themselves at you from above and below all angles. Whirly things... Um, whirl at you and can't be destroyed. This carries on until you face the core Bido itself. The whirly thing tries to protect the Bido as well as the space baby helmets carelessly coming at you. The Bido hiding behind an organic defence as it opens briefly to let another swirly thing. Shoot it right in the chops when it does this. Another swirly also releases three swirly things on the screen so you have to stay right to the left keeping up the way of it. Keep shooting until the end comes. Now the end is a spoiler alert here. Spin forward if it really bothers you. Uh, a load of differently coloured R type spaceships fly along with you while a congratulatory message scrolls up the screen. You are then dumped back at the start for another loop at increased difficulty.
0: Mm. Have you seen the experts do that last level?
1: I've seen a video of it being done, yeah. It looks. It's just.
0: Yeah. It's very simple. Move. You, you hardly move at all, do you? Yeah, it's really you, weird. You just stay to the left. As long, the as, as long as you're fully powered up and you've got the above and below little bits to protect you. Yeah. And then when the when the when when Fido, or whatever it's called, opens his gob... Fido? You f- yeah. You fire in yeah. the force pod, he shuts his gob, and yeah. the force pod is stuck in there with him. So you just press a fire button, and he is toast.
1: Toasted Fido.
0: I don't know how long it took someone to learn how to do that, but... Yeah, when, you, w- w- when you watch it on
1: a video, it looks really easy, but actually getting that far
0: is not easy at all. Oh, no. Oh, no. Right, so graphics and sound. Oh, yeah. about... About halfway through level one, you start noticing how great the graphics and music are, and seeing the level one boss for the first time is a proper wow moment. That big orange fella is now an an iconic baddie in gaming culture, famously featuring on on the cover of Retro Gamer a few years ago, the magazine. Then in level two, you are thrown into this weird HR Geiger-inspired alien world. There's some great graphics there, Mm. and you begin to realise that you're playing something a bit special here. You start level three by fighting a space freighter that is about two two screens big how good is that so yeah. impressive at the very time very different
1: yeah
0: mm. this is the first time that it's really beneficial to attach the force pod to the back of your ship by level 4 you're going to need some serious firepower and it's easy to lose a life and it's hard to come back hard to recover if you have no power mm. no weapons Not not too hard not as hard as Gradius but hard Level 6 puts you in a kind of metallic maze when navigating your way through becomes as important as shooting the bad guys. Level 7 puts you in a knackered alien space building. This place could really do with a lick of paint, Vic.
1: Absolutely.
0: Good, couldn't it? And the final level throws these invincible whirlwinds at you that you've already mentioned. Incredibly hard to deal with, the game then loops back. My Tips and Secrets... Don't get yeah, you've already said this. Don't get more than one speed up. Yep. Learn them levels. Know which weapons to use and where to position them and where to put the force pod. Yep. Don't lose a, don't lose a life past level three. I put.
1: Well, I haven't played it for about a week, but I played it today this morning to have a few more goes at trying to beat my score. And I did level three again after a bit of practice. I can do that like, fairly fairly good now. And level four, those things that that make the walls they fire really quickly. I just couldn't do. I and mean, when you lose. Your weapons, there, I think, is very difficult to get back. But the first time I did it, I did it straight away. How weird is that? Mm. That's a bit odd. But yeah, the the thing about the game I like is it's got quite different levels. Some are just a standard horizontal shooting level. And you get to that level through, it's just a big ship. There's no, it's not really like a shooty game. It's just you sort of got to maneuver your way around and shoot loads of bits of it to try and break it down. And then you go in the back and get, I think it's quite an interesting level. And then when you get onto the later levels, like you said, the last level, the one where you, you're moving through the the Vehicles all going round. It's sort of like it's more like a sort of you've got to position yourself in the right way and dodge things, and it's more strategic rather than just shooting mm. everything. And I think it's quite clever, it does the different levels. I think the level design is very clever, it's very good indeed.
0: Yeah, the yeah, cabinet art
1: on this game, uh, it's released by Nintendo, so it looks very similar to uh, a Nintendo Donkey Kong cabinet in black, but it isn't quite the same. It's slightly different shape. The control panel's quite a bit bigger, and it's got slightly different angles to it, but it looks nice. Mm. And I think there's one arcade club?
0: There is. Yeah,
1: so it's a nice club to is. play on. There is two
0: at Ooh, arcade clubs.
1: Two. wow. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. and the side art's lovely on it. It's got the uh, Dob Keratops on the side of it, which is obviously iconic, as you said.
0: Mm, yeah. The flare art and box art and console releases is also the dog's doodahs. Yeah, also the really artwork good. is really nice on this game
1: and everything about it. And our retro rich, Richard Evans, has got a Twin Galaxy World Record run on video, and we're going to put a link in the show notes for that. X Mosquitoes gameplay notes and 1cc run we've also put on there. And our own Charlie
0: Farr 1cc. Mm. And there's also a, a link to the strategy wiki there. That's very good if you want to play
1: this game and get good at it.
0: Loads of sequels, loads of ports, still being made now. The arcade had two. It had Archi- R-Type 2 in 1988, which is... Kind of a remix of this it's not an it, it's they've they've kind of changed the graphics, yeah but but very similar structure to the levels and everything it's decent, yeah, and R type Leo, which is my favorite in the series, which I think is a sublime game, it's so cool I, I like the power uh, what do you call them the weapons more on that, we can talk about that in a bit.
1: I missed one bit of trivia, actually. Um, with R-Type and R-Type 2, uh, it comes on... I think R-Type 1 is R82 hardware by Irem. He means M82. What a plonker. And some, some other games were released on the same hardware. One of them, it's quite a common game that nobody really likes, is a golf game called Major Title. And I recently got hold of that last raid I went to. I got some Major Title 1 and 2 games. Now, Major Title 1 is R82 hardware, or R- R84, I can't remember. And, R- and Major Title 2 is M92 hardware. With a little bit of jiggery-pokery, some snipping of chips and reinstalling other chips and some EEPROM changing and some bits and bobs, you can convert a Major Title into an R-Type PCB. Because R-Type PCBs are really expensive, -hmm. We're talking three or four hundred pounds for original, maybe more. And I have I've actually converted one major title into R type, which is my one I've got in my cabinet, which I was playing to do this challenge. And I've uh, I've got a few major title two PCBs. Uh, They had to be repaired, and Gadget Freak has done them for me. He's kept one as payment, and I've got one. I'm going to turn that into an R type Leo, Uh, because major title can actually be converted into R type one or two, and they call them par types get the pun the golf pun
0: yeah so good. yeah that's a
1: good little thing to do because nobody wants to play a golf game for goodness sake apart from bobby idod he likes golf games
0: he does but he is odd idod
1: Id-dod, yes that's mm. why so back to the port sequels and legacy uh r type 3 on the snes is supposed to be awesome i don't think i've played it but i'm going to now i like I like R type
0: ports came to nearly everything back in the day because this game is so awesome
1: Yep, the Japanese PC Engine version came on two Who cards as it, as R-Type 1 and 2 because it didn't quite fit. But it's just the whole game, basically, with an actual boss on level 6 rather than the avoiding bit. you actually got a level boss, 6 boss. Yep. I've actually got R-Type 1 and 2. I must play it on the PC Engine. And the US TurboGrafx version later on came out on a single card. Mm. Home computer versions were all very well received. CVG, Crash, Sinclair User, Your Sinclair, Ace, and the Games Machine all scored the R-Type versions around 90%.
0: Nice. I've seen Jim Bagley using R-Type to show off the speed of the Spectrum next. It runs much nicer than on the original Speccy. Oh, nice. He had it at a show once, and it it looked really smooth and excellent. Yeah, a bunch of later
1: games take quite a bit from R-Type, like Resin, Zezix, X-Multiply, and Thunder Force, all top shooters. Mm. So we get on to the scoring. Before we do the scoring, let's have a talk about some world records. Retro Rich he has the Twin Galaxies world record, I take it?
0: He does, yes.
1: Um, and he reckons he could get to 900 k if he got back into training and really point-pressed on it. His current Twin Galaxy record is 530-300. But I watched Pete Han get nearly 700,000 on video.
0: Yeah, that score was posted on arcade. And he did it on difficult,
1: <laughs> difficult setting. That's because he is a mad maniac. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I was, I was thinking Twin Galaxies is kind of out of date for these type of games.
1: It really is losing credibility, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and, and X Mosquito said recently on Twitter, he says, I wouldn't take much notice of the Twin Galaxies scores for non-classic era games. They're far away from the Japanese scores, or yeah. what's possible even. For for a good non-Japanese scoreboard, you need to look here, some amazing players. And he's, he's indicated the shmup system... Uh, system11.org, the Shmups Forum board, high score board. Yeah, And R-Type on there. The top score him, yeah. is
1: 2.48 million. I think yes. that's up to four loops. God. That is a really good score. So, yeah, it's really good. But our own scores,
0: let's start at the bottom, shall we? Right. Ed Horse got a load of people in his office playing ah. R-Type. And he had a big whiteboard of all the scores on. That's oh, why nice. we gave him, him a ping earlier on. I don't, know if he's like an, I don't know if he's like an office manager and he said, like, you've all got to play this or you're sacked. Yes, hopefully. That'd he got his good, hooves on a
1: table and went, you've all got to play this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of Ed's players, Gordon, 27,200.
1: Yep, he's obviously not played the game very much, but well done, Gordon. Tony got 38,200.
0: Tin, Brother of Bronze, 41,400. Didn't and still don't understand the fuss about this one. I'm kind of with him. We'll talk about that in a minute. Oh. Cheap, deaths, cheap deaths and pea shooter respawns, Marlon style.
1: No. No. He's not in the office, by the way, but the rest of these three people are. Andy Kay, 44,100. Larry, 47, two. And Phil, 77,000. Well done, Phil.
0: Sal has got 81.7. Hey, guys, I must be missing something here because I'm really having a hard time cracking 100k. Are you using save states? Nope. As we said before, no.
1: Matthew Bridge, building a bridge to your heart, sure. Ah, 83,400. I just cannot get past the second boss. I'm ashamed of myself. I told Matthew how to do this. Hopefully, he's done it by now.
0: Right. One of Ed's guys, Steve, 96.5 thousand...
1: Steve's done the best then, not Phil. Well done, Steve. Nice, no, Some more coming up. Oh, wow. Carl Parry, 105,300. I know there's more to come if I keep my first life.
0: Stacey King, 106,500. I used to play this on the Specy, and this is the first time playing in the arcade version. I did play R-Type 2 in a local arcade, though, and that was cool with the addition of a second beam charge. Ooh, Ooh awesome. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I think if you hold the beam down, it, it flashes, and you've got another... And when you, when you hit it, when it flashes, it got a bigger weapon. Boom, go pinball. 108,000 dead. That's
0: about it. The Aliens win. Another one of Ed's guys, Luke. 110,800.
1: Well done, Luke. Steve Tyke. 131,300. A decent game that's rightly bringing out the professionals. Here's my amateur status submission.
0: He is Jimmy. He 134,800. I bloody loves this game. I do. I bloody loves it. But struggling to remember the patterns. Uh, Neil, 20
1: to 5. 182,500. Are there any bonus points to be had?
0: You can't get a lot of extra points. Can you can milk really, it slightly? A little bit. Me Shane Brain Hollister, hundred and eighty-five, one hundred. <laughs> I struggled to get enthusiastic about this game. Anyway, we'll go through the scores. One, Michael Vortman, one
1: hundred eighty-five thousand seven hundred. Great podcast as always. Thank you. And yeah, our type loved it and still love it. What a great style. So here's my score. It might not be the highest, but there's a lot of sweat in it.
0: Ugh. Nick, 73, 188, 700. Never liked this, but probably only because I was crap at it. few goes tonight and enjoying it a lot more. Great game and a new PB.
1: Ross Ross, 199,900. Playing outside in two degrees centigrade. Fantastic shooter. Big fan of the organic alien environments. I have accomplished what I set out to do. Got to stage four. The The boss just laughed at me. And his picture on Twitter, where he's taking a picture of his cabinet, I could see his face, and he had this really thick jumper on with a big hood over him. He was freezing cold, and I went, lol, look at you, you cold loser. God, you yeah. <laughs> know. He was playing in a cow shed or something,
0: I think, outside. Oh,
1: well what done, are cows, though, Ross. What a cows, Vic? Uh, is that the woolly things you make jumpers out of?
0: No. How many legs has a cow got, Vic? At least six. They're pretty quick, aren't they? We'll we'll work on that. Anyway, Tagster, two hundred and seventeen oh, thousand three hundred. A beautiful looking and styled game. If only I could see past stage four. Hey, Tagster,
1: in your face. <laughs> Me, two
0: hundred
1: nineteen thousand four hundred. That was the first and only time I beat level four, and I right. should have got much more points than that because I don't think I, I didn't know how to milk level two boss, so I didn't get that many mm-hmm. points. But yeah, I will talk about this. In a minute. What, like else to... do
0: you... what else do you milk, Vic? Points.
1: What do n- points n- make?
2: I... Prizes! No, never mind. Anyway, Flinster,
0: 236,200. End part of level four continues to get me every time. Last time I saw that boss was in the late 80s. Uh,
1: another one, Ed's Staff. Anna, 247,400. A...
0: That person must have played it before. Yes. Ian Cullen, 247,600. See more of this game than ever before already. Chris Smith, 253,600. New R-type personal best, but only just. Stage 5 is apparently my new Stage 4. His his thingy face thing. Brian Haribo, 264,200. Love this. How did I not have this in my collection before? Lose a life on level 4 and it's pretty well. Game over.
1: Amen, brother. Tactical Giles, 268,200. If you lose a life past level 5, you might as well give up. It's virtually impossible without power-ups.
0: Yeah, he's Tactical Genius, but he's Giles, so I've, I've shortened it to Tactical Giles. It's okay. good, okay. isn't it? Not bad. It's good, isn't it? And Ed Horse himself has got a very respectable 272,800. Need to turn the brightness down and my difficulty. A lot of staff, office staff playing also. Nice one.
1: Damien IW, 275,300. Nearly finished stage six. Great game, but once you die, you're usually knackered until it's levels one
0: to three. Troll Nads has got a decent score, 290,000. One last improvement he's put there. He's just
1: sneaked one in. Mark Bell, 292,200. Suddenly didn't have any time to put this into this and try and beat my personal best from back in the day. One of my
0: favourite games of all time and all-time best shooter. Darren Coles two ninety five four hundred. Never submitted a score before, but since you've chosen my favourite game, I ought—I figured I ought to make an effort. This was done at the Retro Computer Museum in Leicester on Sunday.
1: Nice one, Darren. Chris Cnp. Oh, he's been practising on his cab. Three hundred thousand four hundred. My goal is to finish level four before the end of the challenge. I think he has done that. How? How did he get? He finished level. He didn't even finish level four. and He got three hundred thousand points. He knows
0: something, this lad. No, I think he has done. I think he's I finished beat level him on, four. I
1: beat him on levels, and he beat me on points by loads.
0: No, that's an old comment. I think maybe he has done level four. Oh, okay. I think. Anyway, so, 406, 600. You say R, I say type. R type. Yeah. That, man, about?
1: that man speaks sense. Chris <laughs> Mooncrest, the bootleg, 428,400. Not a fan of level six. Need to know where and when to place your ship. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Paul McCaskey forty-three, five hundred. it's like Thundercross all over again how did I die on the last boss after all that practice oh
1: how annoying Mark Happy Dude 568.100 thought I'd post my best
0: score before I forget the 10 pence effect has definitely happened on this game for me yeah, he's fed up with it now. I was speaking to him last night. Really? But he's put a good score in there. Charlie Farr, 573,700. Once he seed it, completely went to pieces on the second loop. Video incoming, which we now have.
1: And the top of the pick, not Charlie Farr for once, ex Mosquito, who we know is a brilliant player. 909,000 mm. points dead. This was the run until I messed up in a very silly way. I really wanted to get the 2-all, which is 2 completions, by Sunday, but I won't have time to have another run tomorrow. I think I may have nightmares from the death tonight. Video of the run. 909,000.
0: That's amazing. That's and a I massive think, score. I think this is the most players we've ever had. I think it's like 42 players.
1: Wow.
0: Including us. I think Donkey Kong may have had a very similar amount, but there's loads of people who played this and loved it.
1: So R-Type breaks your score down level by level, which is a bit interesting. And I'm only getting an average of 40,000 points odd for the first
0: few levels. Mm. Same with you. God knows. Anyway, <laughs> right, summary and improvements. Right. I would, the things I'd change, right, on this is not is not starting back at the beginning of the level or, or the halfway checkpoint when you die, just carrying on when you die. Yeah. Which is always the thing I don't like in games. And the scoring is a bit static, like we've said. There's not a lot of, not a lot of, room to boost your score anywhere really
1: yeah uh i don't mind starting back a bit but at least leave a weapon power up pretty quick to get you back fighting fit Mm. you know like on gradius when you start then you've always got one speed up. and you just hit it quickly and you're back to sort of normal speed on this one you're you're really vulnerable when you first start and it's almost impossible to carry on 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 level four and above
0: Yeah. Horizontal shooters had to up their game after the release of R-Type. So we got games like Thunder Force AC, Polestar, Blazing Star, Metal Black, Border Down, all them kind of games because of R-Type, I think, because it was just so much of an improvement of, of what came before.
1: Yeah, a proper game changer. And I absolutely hate that term. On this occasion, absolutely
0: true right so what i'm going to say about this is not going to be popular i'm going to say it is a fantastic mix of organic alien life forms and alien technology and the high quality graphics memorable tunes that seem to build the suspense as the game progresses i like the boss tune i like, I like
1: all the tunes in it i think they're really mm-hmm. good and we'll play one before we go i think
0: Mm. but as charlie Far says it is a memory game if you know where to put your ship and what weapons to use and when it becomes much easier but that that takes a lot of remembering and I have a bad memory and i'm not so keen on that kind of thing what's and a cow so again it, it's four legs milk it four legs four milking Burg- yes burgers steak what they eat burgers yeah mm, okay <laughs> you put me off now. If you know what, yeah. But that takes a lot of you. Know, look, look, hang on. Here we are. Oh, and so I like the game for a quick blast, and I appreciate it for the near perfect example of what a horizontal shooter should a be.
1: Horizontal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Miss Money Penny.
0: <laughs> but for me, controlling the force pod is a bit of a fiddly faff, and I can't be bothered with controlling it and spinning it around and everything. There's some about it. I, I just. I had to try and force... I gave it an hour. I had to force myself to play it, but I just did not enjoy moving that pod around. I I don't know. There's a reason I've never played it in 30 years, and this is it. It I just cannot stick with it. And so I do prefer Leo over R-Type 1 and 2. The weapons are just more enjoyable to control for me. So overall, I've put, I respect this game, but I don't necessarily find it addictive. If this game was a bloke in the street... I'd walk up to him and shake his hand, but I wouldn't go out for a pint with him.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, I agree with the first, the nice bits you said, but I actually like using the Force Pod in different situations. You can do most of the game with whatever weapon you prefer, apart from you know, one bit, I think. The whole game is perfectly designed and oozes quality in graphics, sound, level, and enemy design. I will also be playing R Type 2, Leo, and 3 on the snares when I can, because I really like this game. The newer games like Delta and Final look beautiful. Hopefully mm. I can get a chance to try them soon. Now, this game, I know for a fact, is a classic, right? But I've never really played it. I've obviously know what it is and I've seen people playing it, but I've never really bothered with it. It's like it's like Outrun. I don't mm. see what the fuss is. I know everyone loves Outrun, it was the top of our top fifty. Everyone plays it, it's got it looks great, especially for the time. The graphics are you know really interesting how the three D works and you know the whole thing, but I just don't... I can't be bothered with it. And I really thought that's what this game was going to be. It's like, oh, it's pretty and it sounds good. It's just a shooter. I'll get bored of it. Total opposite. I really enjoyed Mm. it. Oh, excellent. Because I put a lot of work into converting the major title PCB into the R-type, which does take quite a lot of work, actually, you've got to snip out four... No, eight lots of 32-pin chips, pull the little pins out and unsolder them, re-socket them and solder sockets in, reburn all, I think, 4, 8, 12 chips, put on another chip, bend legs out, put wires in. Also, it's a lot of work. It's actually worth it. And mm. I've got a few of these boards. I will be selling them, but I might just keep my one back a little bit to play it a bit longer. So, oh. yeah, really enjoyed it. And I didn't think I would, to be honest with you. And mm. I always thought Gradius is going to be a lot better than this, but I think it's about level
0: playing with me now, you know? See, Gradius is another, another one, yeah. I think it's fiddly control systems. See, I don't like Nemesis. I don't like don't you? F- having to flick through all those powers at the bottom. I'd rather just get a power-up, use it, throw it away, get the next one, you know. Simple. Yeah, like that's it. I am simple. <laughs> I, 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 like... I quite
1: like the, the differences on it because it is a little mm. bit different. And that's mm. what I like. It's, it's not just a normal shooter. It's quite an intelligent shooter. I know it's a memory game, really. And I wish it, I wish the levels were a little bit longer, you know. Mm. So I've got a, f- a few more different, you know, maybe a middle boss. But I'm pres- I'm presume R-Type Two and Leo are slightly longer levels because they're sequels. I don't know. I've no, not really I been into so. them yet. Yeah. But yeah, really good game. Really enjoyed it. And every single character in the game, every enemy and every ship has got a name. Mm. So obviously, put a lot of planning into this game to actually bother about that.
0: They are bad names, though, aren't they? They're fun... End, and what are they called? And...
1: I don't think they're called that.
0: All right. Bells. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I know I know it's a good game, and it's like with Donkey Kong with me, I, I appreciate that that is a fantastic game, but I'm never going to play it.
1: Yeah, but you're a heretic.
0: You're mm.
1: not liking Donkey Kong. How dare you? Get off. I
0: like, I like my simple control systems. That's yeah. what it is.
1: Well, I, I give this game 10 out of 10 for converting me into it, to be honest with you. Because right. I didn't think I was going to like it. And it, the reverse, is it the reverse 10 pence or the 10 pence effect?
0: can't remember 10 that. pence effect, yeah. You, I think you get bored of it at the end, 10 pence Yeah, pence this effect. is the reverse 10 pence
1: effect. I didn't think I'd be that. I've actually really improved. I think I can do the first two levels without losing life now. Level three, uh, I think once or twice I've done it without losing life. And level four I did just in one hit. I couldn't believe I did it. And now I can't do level four again. So yeah, I want to practice a bit more on it, I think.
0: i like it. I think you do you do get bored doing the same levels over and over again, but that's the true of a, true of a lot of games. Every you know, game. To, that,
1: that's when yeah. the save state is good on main, just to practice the level mm. so you know how to do it. And then when you run through it again, you don't have to go all the way back, all the way back, all the time. So yeah. Overall mm. really enjoyed it. Excellent game. Everyone is right, I'm glad to say.
0: Yes you. I will uh yeah you know what i think about it i won't play it again but it's a good game yeah mm.
2: next show's game
1: so what are we going to be playing next time this is a listener pick
0: yes and guess who the listener is oh, this on. is going to be good though this is mr trollnance yes has picked alibaba and 40 thieves not and the 40 thieves alibaba and 40 thieves oh
1: is that what it's called
0: yeah, from okay. Sega. It's an obscure Sega maze game from 1982.
1: I know of it. I didn't realise it was Sega. Mm.
0: It's a bit It's a bit weird working out what you've got to do, and there's very little on the internet, but you should be able to get it. Okay. We like so, obscure,
1: though, don't we, sometimes?
0: Yeah, this is very obscure. So the ROM is just Alibaba, one word, of three lives, extra life at 10,000, difficulty normal. You've got two weeks to play this. Yeah, Sunday the 4th of March at five o'clock UK time and if you have any problems playing this or you think it's bad you need to get on to trollnads yes if you if you want to email him it's trollnads at gmail.com if you want to Twitter him it's at trollnads if you want to complain in any way we've got his postal address and the postcode is FY7b14. Uh any, anything you need to complain about Tronads? Just, just you can just, shout
1: at him in the street. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do. You can you can throw oranges at him.
0: whatever yeah. you like. She's going to be great. I think he looks alright. Actually, I do think he cool. looks quite good. Uh, very different. Yeah. On that note, thank you for podcasting with me,
1: Sean. And thank you. You're an idiot for not liking our type. Thank you very much. No problem. I'll talk to you in two weeks' time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. Goodbye.
1: show notes and leave feedback at www.tempentsarcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10 You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered.